Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing a high fly ball deep right at the track, at the wall, it's long good for Gorman. The Cardinals have been counter-punching all night. Maybe that's the knockout blow in game one. Chopper slowly hit. Might be tough to turn, and they can't. Ball gets away. Streaking home and scoring. It's going to be Gorman, and the Cardinals get a huge break. A 2-2 pitch for Reyes. Strike three call on the inside corner for a Redbird winner. Let's get nasty on a Monday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate everybody being tuned in. 206, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Cardinals sweep the Red Sox over the weekend at Fenway Park. Who didn't heard, see that coming? You heard, you heard Chip Carey on Bally Sports Midwest and John Rooney on KMOX Cardinals Radio uh, Network. I Look, yeah, who, who didn't see this one coming? Uh, Jamie... Not many here, but you had said something last week when the Cardinals started to turn things around against the Cubs. They they won the last series. They won the last game of the series against the Tigers, twelve six. They won the first two games of the Cubs series, and you had noted that over the over the last three games at that time, the Cardinals were finding ways to win, whereas previously they were finding ways to lose and different ways to lose games. Mm. That trend from a winning standpoint. Happened again over over the weekend. You couldn't do much against Boston on Friday night. And then you come all the way back. You used a ninth-inning rally against Kenley Jansen. Nolan Gorman, how are you, by the way? Contreras got in his kitchen. Yeah, Contreras. Well, that was Saturday. He was playing the step-out game. Got into Kenley Jansen's head, winds up walking oh. in the ninth inning of a pivotal game. Another situation there was a it was a ninth inning comeback. Last night on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, you had the, the bats coming alive early and late, and Miles Michaelis was excellent in that outing. So you had good pitching yesterday. But guys, you found different ways to win over the weekend. Your bats came alive on Friday night. You you didn't just enough pitching wise on Saturday to hang in that one ninth inning rally again then and then last night was just an onslaught you did everything well you're getting timely hitting and you're getting the long ball which we talked about last week about how important a home run is for the Cardinals and you're getting solid starting pitching that's the bottom line you're not out of the game before it starts and that was a huge problem for the Cardinals early on when they had that massive drought was they were behind early and couldn't get back in. The damage yep. was so big they couldn't get back in. Now, I understand they came from behind twice in this series, 
but it wasn't such an astronomical uh, lead that the Red Sox had. You know, you knew you had some of the offense in you, and we talked about it on, uh, I believe, on Friday. We did talk about it on Friday how that ballpark could be advantageous to the Cardinals. They've got a lot of guys that got pop a lot. You get Arenado, you got Goldie, you got Gorman, you got Contreras. You keep going. Paul DeYoung, like a lot of guys that if they just get a hold of the ball, it's going to carry. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. So I was I was uh, impressed with the starting pitching with the offense and I was also impressed with the execution defensively. They look more comfortable. Like it doesn't look as scattered or chaotic as it did. I still get nervous with Alec Burleson out there in left field, and it's just because... Or, or Yippee. Oh, Yippee, oh my God. Yippee had an Ozuna almost moment. Yeah. It looked good going back, and then you're like, oh, nah. He got so scared of the wall, he just took his eyes off the ball. But then like, he had, like, that jump. Yeah. Well, he had the Ozuna jump. Yeah. Not the climb, no. but this was more of, like, a this half like jump a into it. Yeah. I don't understand this as a baseball player. Maybe we'll get Jimmy Ballgame on here one day, and we'll talk to him about it. I wouldn't be afraid of the wall. Like, maybe it's just my hockey player background not being afraid to be smashed into the boards, but I wouldn't be afraid of the wall. Like, big deal. I run into the wall. Like, I'm not going to go head first. Obviously, I'm going to be aware that it's there. I probably would go head first. You would have, you'd go face first. Probably. And you'd enjoy it. Yeah. You'd get up smiling with blood splattered all yeah. over your face. Did you like that? But you know what, Anthony? The ball would be in your glove. Darn right it would. Okay? So watching Juan Yippie Yepes do a little bunny hop out there and miss the ball and terrify to the wall. Like, kid, if you're a regular, if you're an eight-year contract under your belt and you want to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, fine. When you're a guy that's battling for everyday reps and everybody knows that your defense is the problem, you may want to lay it out there. I'd rather be carted off on a stretcher, barely breathing with a neck brace on, had to miss that ball in the outfield, Anthony. <laughs> Jesus, help me here. What happened to him? You know what? He went after it. He laid it out on the line, man. That's what happened to him. Still not good defensively, but he's brave. Yeah. And that's all I want out of my outfielders. You see that uh you see that hole in the wall? It's Jamie's head. One on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big hole. It's your Cardinals. Your Cardinals sweep. They have now won, what is it, six of their last seven, boys? As yeah, t- six of their last seven. As James, as James, our guy James, tweeted at me earlier, I was thinking of this line as well. It's starting to come together, Pepper. It's starting to come together. It really is, though. That's the, that's the screwed up part. It's like, it really is. Well, you mentioned something that, and this is just one, one aspect of the game, but it is pivotal. Arnado homered last night. I, he had... He had a great series, first and foremost. He made some changes dating back to that Chicago series with his with his pregame. He took the day off. The team had the day off on Thursday. He got away from like the baseball activities, which is rare for him. Showed up early in Boston. He was talking to the assembled media. I know Katie Wu had it in her article at The Athletic, but he was talking about his, getting his lower half in sync with his top half and also his hands needed to be a lot quicker as opposed to you know he he calls them dead hands he just he the, he wasn't he wasn't in rhythm with his hands he wasn't in rhythm with his lower half or, or upper half the bottom line is he's got to figure it out now because he had a monster series he hit a laser home run in one of the games the game on saturday night he came up with a was it saturday or maybe it was the first game might have been the first game 
where he had the double. He kind of reached out. It wasn't a double, but it was a it was a two right, run scoring yeah, play. He did a little bloop there. That yes. was last night. That was that last was night. A, yeah. I think that was a reached. hard That's slider right. down, and he went down and got it. Absolutely. So got good contact on it. Not necessarily a great swing, but he stayed on it. Boom, gets it to center field. He had again. He had a big. He had a big uh, a big series, but he homered a couple of times. Nolan Gorman with. Uh, a massive home run on Friday night off Kenley Jansen. Hey, that Thank guy, God he didn't start. That guy can hit. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he still would have been in the game. Not in that spot, Guys, though. did you see last Probably night, not. by the way? Did you see last night? The, Paul, left, the they, Paul DeYoung home run? Well, that the king has returned. That was, yeah. a, that was a moon shot. That was a cool home run, too, to see it happen behind. Yes. That was uh, a cool camera angle. It was, it was pretty cool. Gorman uh, was left in there against a lefty last night. Got a walk. But he didn't start against the no, left. But he no, but he, he was left in, though. Yeah, he was Ordinarily, left in. Ordinarily, Ollie be swapping that out. No, no, no. You're Not right. Today. But Ollie doesn't have to face criminal charges now, federal charges, because he didn't start yeah. against a lefty. That's that's key. And I think also the, the say, game was 8-1 yeah, at the time. The game was too. out of hand. It was the sixth inning. That guy couldn't throw a strike. I only care about the law in this, this perspective here, okay, in this conversation. By the way, James Paxton... I know they won the game. It was great. James Paxton looked pretty good. So maybe maybe Gorman, we were making fun of. Hey, this is the time to, yeah. to have Gorman face somebody. No, Anthony, you, you, you are now decent. protecting him. Oh, I'll put him in a bubble. You, you know who else was? Oh, shut up. Who was really you good? You stop it. Gosh. Chris, Chris Sale was pretty damn Anthony. good. Chris Sale was nasty. <laughs> he was really good. Chris Sale he was sucks, nasty guys. on Saturday. No, he doesn't. Let's and go you get won, him. But you won. You won every yeah, game. Let's go get it. Paxton, let's go get him. <laughs> Paxton looked good. Sale was nasty, and you and you jumped. Unfortunately, uh, you know, you you jumped Kluebot there. Oh Corey boy, Kluber. I felt bad for the Klubs. He had a bitter beer face the entire game too. I don't know if he's having fun playing baseball right now. He Anthony. might not. He honestly looked like someone farted in his mouth. <laughs> like he was not happy. It's two and five with a six four one ERA. I understand, but my God, it was not. I, I like the clubs. I, I mean, we're not tight like you guys are, but you know, still. Right. Like I don't go through his drawers in his house. Sure. Like you did, but not allegedly, Jamie. Yeah, like his dresser drawers. That is allegedly. <laughs> yes, but you know what, guys? The best part about all this is. You've got you've won six out of seven games, so in, within a week, right? We get Contreras back behind the plate now. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. Let's change it all up again. Let's get into the Contreras conversation. Jamie said, and I quote: "Get your popcorn ready. I have a lot to say on Contreras, who, as Jamie just noted, he's going to be back behind the dish. Apparently, all is fine again. Well, and, everything's everything's great now, Anthony. Well, maybe not, because Bob Nightingale had an interesting." Nugget and uh, his latest article we'll get into as well. That's all next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ali Marmol said today, he is our starting catcher. He's going to play 80% of the time now that he's back. Andrew Kisner is going to play some. Uh, I think, you know, mainly against left-handers, Contreras will be the DH. But any other day against right-handers, he's going to be their catcher. Uh, you know, he's the guy that they committed $87 million to, the guy they signed for seven, for five years. He's going to be behind the plate for 80 to 90% of the games going forward. 
That was John Denton on KMOV, and we'll get into the Wilson Contreras news in a second. But we have your chance right now to win a pair, a four-pack, excuse me, a four-pack of tickets to this Thursday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals and Dodgers. This week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Mike Matheny bobblehead. Here's your trivia question for today, and you can text in to 314-399-9646 for your chance to score that four-pack of tickets to Thursday night's Budweiser Bash at Bush Stadium for card, Cards and Dodgers. you got to have the correct answer and be the 101st texter. Where did Mike Matheny start his career? Which team did Mike, Mike Matheny start his career with? If you know that answer, text in 314-399-9646, and you'll have your opportunity to go see the Cardinals and Dodgers this Thursday night, four-pack Budweiser Bash for Mike Matheny bobblehead night. All right, Jamie. My, apparently, Will Contreras is going to be the starting catcher again for the Cardinals starting tonight. All is right in the world. I'm going to get to this Bob Nightingale article first because I think I think part of this will play into what you want to say. <clears throat> So here's Bob Nightingale, USA Today Sports. He he writes, The reason for the St. Louis Cardinals' decision to strip Wilson Contreras from his catching duties just five weeks into his five-year, $87.5 million free agent contract, a high-ranking Cardinals official told USA Today Sports, was quite simple. The starting pitchers told management they simply no longer wanted to pitch to him, at least not this season, after getting off to their dreadful start, producing an ugly 5-4-0 ERA. So this according to a source of Bob Nightingale, high-ranking Cardinals official. Cardinals starting pitchers told management they simply no longer wanted to pitch for him. That doesn't mean all five of them did, but at least... I mean, he said starting pitchers, so at least two of them, Jamie. All right, first of all, don't suck as a pitcher. Yeah, okay? well that's, said. That's the first thing. I'm so tired of listening to these pitchers whine. Give me a freaking break. But listening to so many people talk over the last week, from pitchers to catchers to coaches to you name it, at the end of the day, all of them said the same thing. The pitcher has to locate his pitches. It's up to him to execute. Several people also said, well, if you're not happy with Contreras, why don't you wear the damn pitch comp and call your own game? No, they don't want that. You know why, Anthony? That means they're 100% accountable then for what they're calling. I'd rather blame someone else rather than my crappy pitching and my pitch selection. So I'm going to let the new guy who has a bit of a reputation of maybe not being Yachty, right? We're we're just going to do that to him because, well, we know Kisner does. He puts in 13 hours per start. Like, can't really point the finger at Kiz. Plus, Kiz is the backup catcher. What the heck is that going to mean, right? No, let's blame Wilson Contreras, the new guy. Execute your damn pitches. Quit pointing the finger. But let's go through a little bit of a chronological order here, Anthony, because I'm a little fired up today about this. Love it. I've never seen such an absolute mismanagement of a situation to epic proportions as what I've seen the way the Cardinals have handled this. For people who claim to be really savvy business people, good in the sport of baseball, and smart, intelligent baseball managers and coaches, this has been an epic failure on their behalf. First of all, you signed this guy for $87.5 million. Why the hell did you sign him if this was the issue? Why? And you can't play the card of you didn't know. You knew everything about this player. Or you should have. Or you should have. So either way, it's it's your fault. So deal with it. Secondly, all the pitchers complained. Isn't it ironic that they complained when they were just sucking as pitchers? Well, I'd complain too. And isn't it ironic that the ERA was lower 
with Contreras than it was with Kisner up until this recent winning streak. Well, why? If he's so bad, what are we doing here? So fine. They pit, they, they complained. He gets removed. Oh, then he's going to play the outfield. Er, hang on. He doesn't like that. He's not going to play the outfield anymore because uh, he said he's not going to do that. So now he's going to be our DH. And we're just going to let him be the DH. And Kiz has got Kiz is our catcher right now. Okay. So one, one week later, everything is fine. This is great. Now, the timing of this, Anthony, this is where I really get fired up. The timing of this is awesome for nobody. For nobody. You put Wilson Contreras back behind the dish now, and let's say your team loses a game or two. Who the hell do you think people are pointing fingers at? Google. Who do you think they're going to point fingers at? Well, you put him back behind there, and look at now the pitcher. Jack Flaherty can't pitch a strike anymore because of this guy here. And you lost two in a row. You put Kisner back there. So you're setting up your $87.5 million catcher for absolute failure. If you win, so what? You're supposed to. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. That's his job. If you lose, he's the problem. Dumbest decision I've ever seen. I can't, If I was Contreras, I'd be like, really? This is what you're doing to me? But he's prideful, right? So he thinks, I've got this. Don't worry about it. I got it. Really bad decision. Ollie, I'm sorry. Awful decision. I respect you as an individual. I think you're a good manager. This is the worst decision you've ever made by far. Jamie, you are so right. Thank you, Janet. Uh, and now we find out whether it's true or not. Obviously, the message didn't get sent the right way, and the discussions have not been plenty enough, okay? Because Contreras gets talking to the Post-Dispatch and says, yeah, I'm going back in there. Well, what have you done? How, how have you prepared? Because we've heard about this, you know, this big, mysterious way the Cardinals prepare their catchers for every game. It's so taxing. It's terrible. Well, actually, I've changed nothing. Nothing. Uh, pitchers talked about, uh, you know, some framing, some stuff, and holding my glove, holding my glove left or right or up or down, whatever. I don't know what he said. I'm paraphrasing right now because I'm fired up. What the hell are we doing here? <laughs> Took a week off, and they built Rome in a week, Anthony. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. They changed everything in a week. Or did they change nothing? Or did they realize finally that this is a really bad decision to do this, and now that they actually need their DH spot back, they can't put Contreras in there full-time because they'd like to get a left bat in there from time to time, but they can't because he's roadblocked by the guy he signed for $87.5 million, which, by the way, takes us back to the start of the story. You willingly chose this player for $87.5 million. And here we are now with Jack Flaherty, who was one of the crybabies that went and talked to the manager and said that, I don't like pitching to Contreras. He's not Yachty. Well, no guff. Nobody is. And now you're setting up Flaherty with Contreras after you just won three in a row and six of seven. What could what could go wrong, Anthony? <laughs> what could go wrong? So, the, to me, it, it, it is the biggest misstep that I've seen any franchise make. This would be like winning six of seven and putting a goalie that you signed in to the net with the defensive core that you know is not good. Go get us one. Oh, really? So when he lets in four in the first period, you suck. His stats are You're awful. the problem. What's your pivot? That's my problem with this is usually when you're a manager, you have outs. There's no outs here. Not literally. I mean, I'm just saying figuratively, you don't have an out. Meaning, like, if Contreras goes back behind the dish 
and things are the same. And Flaherty's out by the second inning or the third inning because he can't locate a pitch, and now he's upset again. Mm-hmm. What do you do now? Oh, is he back to the DH for another week to do nothing, to change nothing again? I'm sorry, I'm beside myself this entire situation, and I know I ate up the whole segment. Uh, it, it, we're outstanding. You were outstanding. No, 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 no. I, I think we're going to spin to what you just said there at the end, but go ahead, Marsh. Uh, we just got a text from the 314. Uh, Kisner's on a hot streak at the plate. Why change anything at this point? I mean, I agree. Like, you're winning games. If you want to throw Contreras in there for, you know, one game, two games here and there, like, yeah. let's break it up a little bit. But for the most part, I, I don't know if I go straight to him right away just based on how Kisner's batting because you want him to – you know, want him to continue what he's been doing because we sure. really haven't seen that since he's been a Cardinal. Yeah, and one thing I want to address here said uh, from the 636, agree with everything up until Jack is the reason. Up until then, because Jack is the reason Wilson is starting again tonight. Well, no kidding. No kidding. You're you're one of the guys who got him yanked out of his spot. What better way to play the superhero than to be like, that's my guy. That's my catcher. No, that is smoke and mirrors to me. I see through it a mile away. And if things go poorly tonight, watch the body language on the bump. Watch. This is set up for failure, and I absolutely hate it. This all started, remember. I mean, I know it started before. It it basically started at the start of the season, I guess. But the, the volcano started. The volcano started to erupt when Jack Flaherty came out of the one start early. He got crushed in the second and third inning. And then he was still ticked off like, two and a half hours later in the clubhouse Mm -hmm. and he was he was demonstrative with the media and he was you know angry and the pitcher we we as a staff we don't know what we're throwing that all started a couple of thursday i think it was a thursday thursday or friday a couple of weeks ago it started and then Contreras the next day or two placed into that dh only role so it all kind of started there so i'll start kind of bubbling to the surface and then that released everything i want to get into what jamie just said about well what's your pivot and what next if things go sideways again talk about it next i want to win espn the smartest way to do your homework is heckman lumber warm weather means homework for homeowners and if your homework means a new deck then turn to the deck experts at hackman lumber browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in missouri at hackman lumber company talk with their experts about treated lumber cedar timber tech trex evergreen and azec to find the best deck for you check out endless choices of railings balusters and led deck lighting options hackman lumber company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed you can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Steven Matz. This ball hit a long way by Contreras, and that one's going to sail over the bullpens. An absolute bomb by Contreras. Opposite field power makes it a one-run game. Chip, Ke- Chip Carey, Bally Sports Midwest on the call as uh, Wilson Contreras homers in one of these games. Guy's been great for you. He's been great for oh, you. you mean he's done everything you've asked him to do. He's basically been himself. He, has he, he's basically been the back of his baseball card, right? That's correct. Absolutely. Which you signed, right? Uh, Eighty-seven and a half million. Mm-hmm. All right. Congratulations to Jay from Florissant. He won the four-pack of tickets to see the Cardinals and Dodgers this Thursday night for the Budweiser Bash. We it was, it's the Mike Matheny bobblehead night. We asked, "What team did Mike Matheny start his career with?" Correct answer is. The Brewers, baby. That's right, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers. Marsh, you said you even felt you're like, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. I was a young lad at the time, Anthony, yeah. during the uh, time of that tenure in Milwaukee. So I'm, I'm sure not everybody knew that, but yeah, Mike Matheny started off his career with the Brewers, went to the Blue Jays for a year, came to the uh, Cardinals. He had recommended, I think, to the front office, hey, why don't you take a look at this guy, Chris Carpenter? I know he's a little banged up right now. He's a stud. <laughs> Turns out. It's not a bad thing, huh? He gets healthy. Uh, Chris Carpenter had the talent already. Also pairs up with Dave Duncan, and uh, the rest is history. So, yeah, Mike Matheny started his career with the Milwaukee Brewers, who the Cardinals will host tonight. And we expect that Wilson Contreras is going to be behind the dish. We talked last segment about the report that Bob Nightingale of USA Today Sports had, which is that the reason for the Cardinals' decision to strip Wilson Contreras from his catching duties started with the starting pitchers. And I don't know if it's all five. I don't know if it's four of them. I don't know if it's only two of them. The use of starting pitchers, plural, means there's at least two. But they told management they simply no longer wanted to pitch to him, at least not this season, after getting off to their dreadful start, producing an ugly 5.40 ERA. Jamie, you went the distance in last segment. I thought you made sorry about that. Uh, no, no, no. I thought you made outstanding points. Marsh and I looked at each other and we said, you know what? He's rolling right let now. Him let cook. him cook. Let him cook. Exactly. <laughs> and he did. And you, and you were you were spot on. For me, Jamie, two big things here. You you did touch upon this. But look at look at look in the mirror. Hold yourself accountable. If you're pitching like crap, if you're hanging curveballs, if you're throwing cement mixed sliders, if Wilson Contreras sets up down and away and and his glove leaks over the plate and the ball winds up in some guy's den who was sitting in the bleachers that night, that's on you. And as we discussed last Friday, we had the numbers. Now things may have changed a little bit over the weekend, but the numbers are are there there has there has been either no change in certain statistics or the pitching staff the starters have gotten worse with Andrew Kisner it's not worse it's not a dramatic change and I think his has been fine he's been fine the, the, no. there's nothing wrong with him that's the point though Jamie that's the point it's not the catching now maybe there's something internally maybe Wilson Contreras is telling the pitch maybe the pitchers are like hey Wilson um are you prepared for tonight's game? Give me your notes, and Wilson Contreras goes blank you. Maybe that's happening. 
If so, okay, then you make the switch. Here's my here's my big question though to you guys. Here's my big question. What the hell changed in a week? Well, that's my that was my whole frustration. What changed in a week? This entire situation, you've put a, a deadline of one week on it. If if what you do as an organization is so um, taxing and the preparation is so heavy and it's like, what? How does that change in a week? While He's still batting, right? You want to you want to do this massive change in a week? You sit him on the bench. That's it, and you go over all this because as he's the DH, he's still putting in the prep work on pitchers and you know things he's looking for to do as a hitter. He's getting in the cage, so you're you're actually allocating a small amount of time to where you can make these massive changes that, by the way, are perfectly fine and everything's good to go after one week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sucks for Kissner too. Like, I, I'm looking at it from both sides of the equation here. It sucked that they made this decision and pointed the finger at Wilson Contreras, but then Andrew Kisner did nothing except get in there, do his job, the one that he has studied for and put yes. the work in. And Under now, some shaky circumstances. Under difficult cir- circumstances, for sure. He's the catcher last year after Yachty retires, and what do they say? Well, we're looking for a catcher. Right. That's tough, especially on a younger player. But what did he do? He battled through it. He showed up, he's prepared, he puts in the work, and now he's hitting. So all he's done is improve as a player, and now you're ripping it away from him, too. Mm-hmm. So what's the inspiration for that? You hit, you play. Really? Unless you're Kisner. Unless you're Kisner. Now, then, he, let's let's not go too far know, here. He had a, yeah, he had a big game yesterday. I do, it's, but... In, it's relative to the individual. Somebody also brought it up on the text line. Hey, Kisner's starting. He's, uh, he's hitting what? He's hitting 213. He's slash lines 213, 238. But well, what is he hitting in the last week? I don't okay, know. Because he's, that's, been, he's been pretty he's damn been good. He's been very good. I'm just yeah. saying, let's a- not... Anthony, quit. just stop with the crap, okay? So, just listen. Okay. Kisner <laughs> stepped in and he's... Stop with your facts. I just don't know why I keep waving at you, okay. pointing at you. Fine. I'm not sure. Yeah. You're Feel like signaling it's... first down, like, constantly. Yeah, that's a lot of first downs. I'm hot right now. Kisner stepped in, and he's done a good job for you, and now you're doing all, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, if this was a company, just a business, so if somebody's listening right now, and they're trying to um, relate it to their everyday life, because they probably, like, some of this probably, ah, that's what they're paid to do. Okay, fine. You're right. However, if you're doing your job to the best of your ability, and then another company comes and offers you more money to come and do the same job at their company, and you take that job, and then they relegate you underneath, like, the coffee boy or whatever, <laughs> because you don't do things the way they want. And then a week later, they say, whoops, big mistake. Now we're going to do it again. But, by the way, you're going to manage the biggest account we're handling for the next year. Uh, you're in charge of it. Good luck. Uh, come on. This is weird. It's the whole thing's strange. Yeah, they're, they're, the they're whole sending thing is mixed strange. signals, aren't they? Because one day they're saying one thing, like you know he's making good progress, blah blah blah, and then the, literally the next day they're like, oh yeah, we love the progress he's made. He's catching now. <laughs> yeah, and he's and, Contreras is which, the one. Thing. You know what? I changed nothing. And he's be, yeah. I mean, if I'm Ollie, I mean, if they if they have found something and they truly are like, hey, he's ready to go, then great. Right. But if I'm Ollie, before we do this whole announcement. I'm in a room with Mo, or at least Mo on the phone, Wilson Contreras, Flaherty, Wayno, all the people that were in on this meeting to begin with, right? And I'd say, here, Wilson, you're getting your job back behind the plate. If the media asks, 
we just talk about how all of us together as a staff have put in time and we understand things now and we feel like this is the best time to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, at least Wilson Contreras has, oh, I don't know, a cheat sheet about what he should say instead of, I don't really change anything. I'm just, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I love that he's direct. He's very blunt. <laughs> he just says whatever he's thinking. Mm-hmm. I love that. But that's the guy you signed. That's the guy you loved. You love yeah. this guy's this, this, yeah. his tiger instinct, right? Like, right. And now you're like, I don't really know what the hell this guy's doing. I think I think they're sort of they have mixed emotions because you have a guy who you don't necessarily love behind the plate, but my God, do you love when he is smoking baseballs because he is he, he his energy in itself, I think won them that series in Chicago. I agree. It His started energy, right now. Yes. I agree. It, it gave felt the team different. some swagger, yeah, man. It did. And the team had no business having any sort of swagger no, at that point. No, no. It was whatsoever. a dreadful-ass team. Okay, they won one up. game against the Tigers. And, and Big whoop. And they needed, I, I believe they needed to come back in that one, too. I mean, it was 12-6, to 6, but they were they were down early in that mm-hmm. one, too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, they showed up in, in at Wrigley. They shouldn't have had any sort of swagger, and Wilson Contreras put them on their backs, and it, and it, that thing has gotten rolling now, and hopefully it continues. We're gonna see because you got the Brewers in tonight, and you're facing a really good uh, starter tonight in 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 Freddie Peralta. But boy, it's fastball, a lot Freddie, fastball, Freddie. It's more than fastball, Freddie. Oh, I know he found another pitch, Anthony. <laughs> Damn him! That's what they used to call him. <laughs> I know. Fastball, Freddie. And now he's got this like dreadful slider or yeah. whatever the hell that he throws. He's a good pitcher. My God, is Nolan Arnato? Is Nolan Arnato officially back? We'll get into that next on One Hundred and One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. So what's going on with this jersey? You gonna let me have it after the game or what? What? You gonna jersey let me swap? have the yeah jersey swap after the game? Hey, you can take it. I can't hit in this thing. <laughs> I can't hit in this thing. You hear that? <laughs> this one is smoked. That's right. That shirt's fine. May want to hang on to it. It's gone. No one Arenado. Homers on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That was from the broadcast last night. ESPN Radio on the call. It was. I mean, that that part of it, guys, that part of it was pretty fun. I love Nolan Arenado. I do. I love his demeanor. I love his energy. I love when the first series, one of the first series he ever played in. Remember, there was a, I don't know if it was at the time it was ben- benches, you know, the, the, the benches cleared a little bit, but he was right in the, the mix. Yeah, get some. He takes the game incredibly seriously. I mean, when he what? was in a slump, that wasn't great. that impression, Anthony. <laughs> The last couple of weeks, the guy's a psychopath for baseball. I love it. I, I love it. every minute of it. He filled up. How the... about that play? By the way, sorry that that defensive play he made yesterday that made look he made it look routine. It was a hard hit ball down the third base line. Uh, he doesn't even charge at it. He kind of waits for it. Mm-hmm. He runs a little into the foul territory and then just slings it over there. It he... looks routine. But oh my God, what a play! He's starting. I mean, starting. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say starting, but that play specifically. It's starting to remind me of the the Derek Jeter jump throw. You know the shorts oh, that, one. that 
where he he's yeah, yeah. he's in the air and fires it over the way that Arenado kind of comes around that third and gets out of th- into that into the foul territory and throws over. But he stays like on the field part, like the yeah. He's really Anthony. He's really good. You he, watch this guy's promising. He may make it, Jamie. <laughs> he might, he might okay. make it. He might be okay too when it comes offensively. He filled up the box score last night. The nine one victory over the Red Sox. He went two for five. Had a homer. Four RBI and stole a base. He reached on a fielder's choice in the third inning, then swiped second base. Ultimately, he was stranded there, but then he delivered that two out, two run single that really got things. I mean, it went from the the game was you know, somewhat still close to that one kind of broke it open, uh, gave the Cardinals a 6 1 lead at that point. Then he had a 396 foot two run shot in the eighth inning that made it a 9 1 game. How about the absolute laser? He also hit the la- the laser home run. Oh Bar- my god! I somehow he got it just enough over the the green monster, but that thing was an absolute missile. And he talked about how he made the changes with his approach before games. He realized he was out of sync. His lower half and his top half weren't in sync. He started to work on the lower half, then got the the upper half corrected, but he was also talking about his hands and how he was able to uh, fire up his hands more, stay inside the baseball, get through it, get that extension. And you saw that a little bit on when it came to that two-run single that he hit last night. But I think Nolan Arenado is back. And Kerry Davis was asking Jesse Rogers earlier today on the opening drive whether or not you know as as the off as Nolan Arenado goes, does the offense go? And Je- Jesse Rogers is like, look, you know, you got to get you got to get kind of more more guys going in that. But I understand Kerry's point. If Nolan Arenado is swinging a hop bat, it takes a lot of pressure off of the 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 guys hitting behind him. Fortunately, with Goldschmidt hitting the way he is and Gorman hitting the way he is. If you could just start to get this, and Contreras too, if you could just start to get this thing going a little bit offensively, this is a lineup that is chock full of hitters. Power hitters, hitters that use the entire field, guys that can get on base. Can you get enough of those guys going at the same time, though, Jamie, so that the offense can can start to produce like it should? Well, yeah, I mean, look at this. This lineup is built to hit. It really is. And when you have the right guys in there, this is why I do feel like they're going back to Contreras behind the dish. It's because they would like to continue to have flexibility in the DH spot. And right now there's no flexibility, even though Contreras is hitting well. Mm-hmm. He's doing his job. Yeah, uh, There's no flexibility in it at all. So with him at the DH means somebody has to come out of the lineup. And what if that's a good bat that has to come out, right? Yeah, Gorman so, potentially sometimes. Gorman sometimes. Especially against a lefty. A hundred percent. And you know, what if you, what about Juan Yepes? If he heats up a little bit, now you could have Yepes and Contreras in the lineup rather than one or the other. You could have Contreras and Gorman rather than one or the other. So I think this is ultimately why they're, they're going back to Contreras behind the dish for other reasons too. But I think this one is certainly one of the factors, but you go through this lineup with Newt at the top of the order Newt is crushing baseballs right now. I mean, he his numbers are fantastic, and, and go from there. Goldie in the two hole, Gorman three hole, Arnado cleanup, Contreras fifth. It's a friggin' nightmare. Mm. Where do you get to breathe? A little bit in the bottom there. You've got some guys that are kind of up and down and all around, but that's kind of every team. Very few teams are built from one through nine where you, the pitcher gets no rest. 
But I will say this, that when the Cardinals are right and and they're getting more production out of everybody on a consistent level, I'm not talking about just raking all the time, but just putting out competitive at-bats. When Brendan Donovan is being competitive in the batter's box, he's annoying as hell to play against. His OBP, it's like he's annoying. And you got Newt, you got Donovan, you get like go through the list again. That's a that's a tough lineup to navigate if they're hitting the ball, if they're if their approach and, and their game is on. Cardinals will host the Brewers for a three game set at Bush Stadium starting tonight. We've been talking about Wilson Contreras. We do anticipate that he will be behind the dish because that's what the Cardinals are saying. It will be Jack Flaherty versus Freddie Peralta, six forty five start time. One team in professional sports, I think. They are in, and this is a winning team. It's a team that's had a fair amount of success. But I think there's one team in professional sports that has, like, the worst possible scenario. I'll explain, and I'll get these guys' opinion oh, on the next. the Maple Leafs, huh? Nope. Different team. Not as much playoff success either. Uh-oh. Talk about it next one on one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I think one of the one of the worst things in professional sports, like one like like an underrated issue in professional sports, is when a team has a superstar, but that superstar can't win at the highest level. I'm frustrated with Austin Matthews too. The Toronto Maple Leafs should go a lot further with Matthews and Marner and Nylander. God. Okay, well, maybe eventually we'll get into those guys. Oh, that's not where you're headed. No, but I think it applies. Okay. I think it applies. It's Although, very similar. Okay, so Austin Matthews, though, was he, how was he in the postseason? Not great. Okay, maybe it does apply a lot okay more than I thought. He was okay in round one, round two. Uh, the FBI has been searching for him. They haven't okay. found him yet. Uh, the FBI may have to pivot to find where the hell Joel Embiid is after 15 points. 15 points in a game seven. Jason Tatum, He's local product. He's not relied upon to score. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, it's a five-on-five five game. It's a five-on-five five game. In the NBA, <laughs> no power play. In the NBA, we have seen two superstars win championships consistently. Fortunately for the Celtics and our guy Jason Tatum, he's... He's got a a potential budding superstar now in Jalen Brown, who, who also had a uh, remarkable Game 7. So I want to first, poof, Jason Tatum was unbelievable. Yeah. He's a special player, man. Unbelievable. But we didn't have questions about Jason Tatum. No. Jason Tatum performs. He performs at the highest levels. Now, he hasn't won a championship yet, but at least he's been damn close. At least he is, at least he is you know, poised to... Make another run here. We'll see if he can get past the Miami Heat. But Joel Embiid, when we talked about it the, the last time, like a month ago, when he scored 487 points in that one game, oh, he's going to win the MVP. That's fantastic. He can't win at this level. 15 points. He's a big. He is a big in a league of three-point shooters. 
He's got no competition. He could dominate. 15 points in elimination game. You couldn't find him in game six with about four minutes left, too. It is remarkable how certain players, and maybe it applies to Austin Matthews, too. Jamie, you would know better than I would. But it's remarkable how you have a superstar. You want that guy. You draft that guy. You pay that guy. You make him the face of your franchise. But he can't win at the highest level. Okay, so let's continue to dive into Joel Embiid for a second here, okay? Why are you putting all of the blame on him in particular? Because when I talk about the Maple Leafs, I talk about Austin Matthews, but I also have two or three other guys that didn't bring their A game either. Mm -hmm. And that's on a team of 20 guys who dress on a nightly basis, not just five guys who play for the most part. I know they've got, what, 10 guys total? Five guys on the bench, six guys on the bench. In, in basketball? Yeah, but five guys. Oh, I forget what the actual roster In a game seven, you're, ta- you're starting five or playing most like of the 12, game. Yeah, 12, 13. 13. Okay. Yeah, yeah but, some of the guys don't even know who they are. But your starting five is what you roll with. Yeah. So why is it all on Joel Embiid? It is not all on Joel Embiid. However, why do we always lift certain players in the history of sports? When they have a big performance? Wayne Gretzky. What what also made him? Please don't compare him to Joel Embiid. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Please don't compare Tom him. Brady. But why do we do that though? Joel well, Montana. They win, Anthony. They win at the highest level. And they perform at the biggest stage. And they perform at the, exactly. Yeah. And it's not like Joel Embiid. This is the first time he's he's got bounced. We give quarterbacks that that one or two losses in the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence, this past year, hey, won, won a playoff game, man. This guy's come. Okay, lost the second one, no problem. All right, you know, he had to go to he had to go to Arrowhead, no problem. Next year, next year, maybe he wins two playoff games. He's come, but by year three or so, everybody's tired of seeing it, mm-hmm. and they start say, they start pointing at who? They start pointing at the guy that gets all the accolades during the regular season. That is why. Jamie, it's not just one guy. But what ever. about James Harden having nine points? What a, James James Harden he's is a, what he is. Yeah, he's notoriously know. known for being terrible in the playoffs. I think the one game he so had forty five points. The MVP. It was him coming off yeah, a weekend in Vegas. Time. Well, that's true. He didn't win, and and he who who's the reigning MVP now? The Joker, the Joker, who's in the conference finals. What? No, I'm talking about who who won it this year. Oh, Embiid. Exactly. That's oh, what I'm they're talking about last year. No, no, no. So, the, But he's the reigning. He's now the reigning yes. MVP. He's yes. going to, whatever. We know he's going to win. He's the MVP. Well, he already won. Of the, exactly. Yeah. Of the regular season. Yeah. You guys are saying the same thing. Just agree, please. I don't agree. Marsh, I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, not agree. <laughs> 15 points. I think that's remarkable. On the same, by the way, in the same week, on the same weekend, where not only Jason Tatum is disgusting, unbelievable. LeBron James, 47-year-old LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's 98 now. I don't know. 84. 84-year-old LeBron James goes out there, season on the line, basically, right? Because he's they, they have elimination game for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And he finished Friday night's game with 30 points, 9 boards, 9 assists, 2 steals, a block, and 2 triples. But that's because he's one of the greatest players of all time. Exactly. And he's got that fire burning inside him that he'd rather, he'd rather, like, you know what, than lose a game. Jamie, well said. And I don't like LeBron James. (gasps) I mean, no, but like, I shouldn't say that. 
I'm not always a big fan of some of the things he does off the court with, you know, the attention he draws to himself. But I respect the heck out of him as a player and realize that this is a guy that can change the outcome of games still at the age that he's at, 40 years old or whatever the heck he is. 84. 84 mm-hmm. years old. But also that's a guy that has played this entire postseason with a chip on his shoulder thanks to what's-his-name there, who poked the bear. Don't, don't even say his name. It's Good. not. It's not. It's not worth it. But what he, he doesn't. He didn't earn it. He should. The, the Lakers should send him a ring when they win this thing. Mm-hmm. If they do win it, then thanking him <laughs> for poking the bear and getting you're, LeBron James. You're going. Our six man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The ring's not real, but it's a nice <laughs> replica. It's what you deserve. That's but right. We we want to show you our, gratic, our it's gratitude. A <laughs> it's a replica <laughs> ring. Don't awesome. don't shower with it on. But okay, getting it, yeah, it's got it's got basically melt. It's got Terry Green. <laughs> but thank you for your contributions. Uh, uh, all right, so Austin Matthews though, there's there's players in hockey. Maybe he's one of them. Maybe I mean the Oilers got eliminated last night too. Well, that's a mass. Listen, that's a different scenario. But the Oilers have been competitive, and they you know they they the Oilers don't have a team mm-hmm. that can get to the Stanley Cup final. They have two individuals that are the best players on the planet, but they don't have enough around them. Mm -hmm. So that's – and Ken Holland has done a really good job of building this team up because he was handed off a crap sandwich when he took over the Oilers. That guy's unreal. Uh, I wish he would have solidified the goaltending position a little bit better. He rolled the dice on Jack Campbell, and then they went with Skinner. Okay, interesting, but – Not Hunter Skinner. No, not was Hunter part Skinner. of the uh, Blues organization. Yeah, but but uh, what's his name? Jeff? Stuart, Stuart Skinner. No, that's Stuart. Jeff, Jeff is a Jeff different Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff was Maybe a they should have went with Jeff Skinner. Might, might have been about the same. But I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's a team that is supposed to be built for a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, again, the goaltending position has been something that uh, to be desired, but Joseph Wool came in. He probably should have been the goalie from the start of this playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back in hindsight now, he is not to blame. He, They should thank the heck out of him for how good he played in the last two games that he had to play in. But Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, they just can't seem to get the job done. John Tavares, you know, he scored the overtime winner in, in the first series, which is great, but then he kind of disappeared mm-hmm. in round two. And then all of a sudden they're trying to lean on Ryan O'Reilly to pull this team out of the, you know, the, the elimination process here. Ryan O'Reilly is a great player, but he – he can't pull, he can't do it on he can't own. pull an yeah. entire team especially against a freight train like the Florida Panthers right now so Austin Matthews is that guy in the NHL right now and I know people can say well Connor McDavid fine but Connor McDavid has still been past the first and second round in the last mm-hmm. handful of years yeah. and he's putting up points and too. he's the and, <laughs> yeah. and Drysaddle now Drysaddle didn't score last night and he talked about that in the post game he said he could have been better mm-hmm. but those guys show up every series it's not their fault that the goaltending's terrible, that they gave, what, almost $10 million to Darnell Nurse? I I would have never done that. Yeah, Darnell Nurse, yeah. And they played a hell of a team. Yeah. The Vegas Golden Knights are a good team. The Vegas Golden Knights are a juggernaut. I'm telling you, right now, they're playing with essentially their third goalie right now, and Aiden Hill's playing great, but that's a team possessed. Yeah. It's a team possessed to win. I was laughing last night texting with Petro after the win because of his exchange with Leon Dreisaitl uh-huh. in the handshake line. I was very quick. Yeah, and uh, he, he giggled. He thought it, he thought Leon was cute. 
He wasn't bothered at all by his suspension. I think <laughs> I think Vegas has got to get a little bit more out of Jonathan Marchessault, but other than that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. the He's natural hat trick is so yesterday. Absolutely. Like literally mm-hmm. yesterday, last night. Last night. It was yeah. awesome. That, that, that first period was fun. That first okay. period was yeah. a lot If you of fun. sat down to watch that game, by the way, Mumsy and I, uh, one, Mumsy is a great um, partner to watch TV with. We watch every single pitch of the Cardinals game together. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of things to say about the Cardinals these days, and they're positive. She showed up. The Cardinals started winning. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, Mumsy, you may have to stick around for a little bit. There's going to be probably a, a, a GoFundMe put together to keep mm-hmm. you here. In St. Louis, you can uh, certainly text us at 314-399-9646. Let us know your thoughts on that. But we sat down to watch that, and then we sat down to watch the Vegas game. And as it was starting, the National Anthem was playing. I said, hey, Mumsy, you better get down here. She'd gone upstairs to put some things away or whatever. She comes down, and she sits down. She's like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to miss the beginning of this game. And then all of a sudden, wah, wah, wah. She's like, I'm glad I didn't miss this. <laughs> I thought, was, was, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Vegas, Edmonton, Edmonton, Vegas. They had Carl. What? Carl Ravitch was was doing play by play because they had a double screen box, and Carl Ravitch, like, and uh, the 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 tender, a uh, little miscommunication on the. Literally, they have no idea who's playing, right? So I thought that was funny, and uh, you know, some people wanted to watch the game. They're like, oh, you know, I can't believe this game's starting at ten o'clock Eastern time, blah blah blah. And I'm like, listen. The way the Cardinals have been playing this year, you never any lead is never safe. No, and the we damn need to game see went, the full game. It went long too. It, it did go I long. Mean, you had to switch a, over to ESPN two. That's to catch the, the worst beginning. case scenario for and Gary then, Bettman in the NHL. But then they don't give like, you, how about this ESPN? If you're listening, which I know you are, the exec love this show. Um, if you're going to go to ESPN two, let the people know once you've gone back to ESPN the original. Yeah, because a lot of times they'll do it in a commercial they break. They did. All of a sudden you came yes. back with like the X Games. Yes. My mom's like, what is this? Yeah. I'm like, hang on, Mumsy, I'm coming here. I was <laughs> pouring Mumsy a glass of wine at the time. <laughs> it really was. She goes, the bar's open, right? I'm like, yes, it is. Mama Rivers. I like it. We are What's Trending Next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, we talked a little bit earlier about the ESPN broadcast last night, Sunday Night Baseball, 9-1 victory for the Cardinals over the Red Sox. And last night during the third inning, ESPN and their broadcasting team interviewed Tristan Casas, the first baseman for the Red Sox. And they had a heartfelt question, I believe, but asked it at the wrong time. Like he's what do you, play, in the middle what do you of the game. By that, Marsh? Well, here's the audio of the question. And Tristan Casas' answer. 3 and 0 to Gorman. You know, we had Alex Cora on. I know your mom passed away when you were young. What does Mother's Day mean to you and, and your brother? 
yeah, the, uh, you know, what happened was unfortunate to me, but I have so many mother figures in my life. Um, whether they have my last name or whether they don't, um, I've had so much support from everybody, uh, you know, around my, in, in and around my circle yes. that I, I don't even feel like I missed out on anything. You know, I know she's watching me every day. I know she's, uh, you know, smiling, proud of me. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've been all right. I think it was a great answer for the question that was asked. I just thought the timing of it um, was interesting. No doubt. First of all, Tristan Cassius is is a 23-year-old kid. He's a a kid. He's playing in the middle of a game, and I get it. It's Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. You want to ask a heartfelt question, but that that might not be the time to do it. I enjoy the the in-game interviews. I've seen it with like Bryce I think Bryce Harper's really good in those moments. I think there's a lot of athletes that are really good. That one might not be a great question to ask when he's trying to hold Nolan Arenado on and all yeah. that. So the the cast, the broadcast group obviously did all their homework on on this particular individual so much so that you know, they knew the backstory of it. That's when you don't bring it up. You want to bring that up, you know, maybe post-game, um, pre-game, post-game, yeah. in-game, when he's actually on the field playing. That's when you have to take a hard pass on that and go, I know that this is something that happened, but it's not an in-game question. If I'm on the broadcast team, I'm asking about, you know, some of the tendencies, what are you looking for here? Or, you know, just something to do with in-game dialogue. Yeah. Or you want to talk about Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt or somebody on his team. Like, that's fine. Keep it light. Keep it easy to answer because he's on the field playing baseball. <laughs> and then at one point, he's got Nolan Arenado on first base and they're asking him about Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. I understand um, you know, the curiosity, but do you think it's comfortable for a guy to be standing there six inches from the other guy and you got to talk about him? Like, it's weird. It's weird. That's when you got to go, ah, this guy stinks. This yeah. guy sucks. Have you One seen of the most overrated, this year? Overrated third baseman in the game. That so, kind of funny. <laughs> you know, what was funny about him being on first base and Nolan Gorman also ended up going to first base in his at-bat, and those two play with each other. And so Casas was trying to, you know, talk to him and and whatnot. And <laughs> you guys stink. Sure did. You guys stink. Um, <laughs> In fairness to me, Jamie smiled and looked at me. What did I do? <laughs> I was going to let it go. I thought it was, well, so did they. <laughs> Anyways, Nolan Gorman really really wasn't giving him anything because he was locked in yeah. to the game. Maybe he didn't like him as a teammate. But, but then, <laughs> but then he, he, he got his lead off and whatnot, and uh, Casas even said it, that Gorman said to him, are you talking to yourself right now? It's like, they didn't know what was going on because yeah. he was just talking out loud. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> without saying, hey, by the way, I'm mic'd I'm up, mic'd right, up right. Which he didn't say. A lot of players will give, oh, give the guys a heads up. I sure. yeah, a couple up. times. Like, hey, boys, I'm mic'd up here, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. Now, the truck, their job, because there is a delay, contrary to what we think about, oh, it's live action. No, there is a delay. Uh, they will hit the dump button mm. or the mute button and, you know, blur some things out, whatever they have to do, because, I mean, stuff happens out there. It does. Mm-hmm. I just thought that as a broadcast team, 
who, by the way, they're they're a good broadcast team. Had some really great stuff throughout the game. That was just a, a really bad decision mm-hmm. in the moment while he's playing in-game. Mm-hmm. Ask him in-game questions. Like you said, go to him beforehand. Say, hey, I know this day means, means a lot to you. Get his answer and then relay that For sometime sure. during the broadcast. I talked, I caught up to Tristan before the game. His mother had passed, for those who don't know, his mother passed away when he was a very young man. And what he said, I thought was incredibly mature. And then you just relay what Tristan Cass has told you. Yeah, and what he said was, was like you said, very it? mature. And it was impressive for the moment. Maybe to, they did ask him, though. Maybe before the game they said, hey, do you mind if we ask you about yeah, Father's that's Day? that's true, too. Maybe true. they did. Right. So, I mean, I got to give a little bit of benefit here yeah. to the broadcast team. I, I don't know if they did or if they did. Right. Maybe they did and say, hey, just to give you a heads up, are you okay with this? Great. We're going to ask you about that. So we suck. No, we don't suck. I think I think. No, nah, we lot, do. I, no, mm. I think a lot of people felt exactly the same way as we did in that moment. Hmm. Uh, City SC this weekend, they fall to Chicago once again, 1-0. Guys, they've been struggling a lot lately, and uh, I think Klaus not being in the lineup is definitely uh, definitely making a huge impact. And maybe it's just one of those stretches, though. Every team goes through them. Well, it's pretty coincidental that Klaus is out and all this happens. And listening to a couple of national people, they just talked about having Klaus up there to disrupt the defense mm-hmm. and to create that 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 pressure and to be that big strong horse that he is without that element in the lineup they've had to rely on other guys to try and do it and it's just not there the games that they have lost if you go back they lost one nothing to Minnesota they lost three nothing to Seattle and I didn't I can't remember the exact scenario in that one but I, I feel like that was somewhat close and then things got out of hand maybe in the second half the other they got they had the draw against Colorado they lost two to one to Portland and they lost one nothing to Chicago if you notice the games that they have lost have all been low scoring now I know it's soccer I'm mean, relatively low scoring okay it's soccer soccer most soccer games are low scoring but I can't I can't help but go back to the Taylor Twelman tweet when he was talking about how when other teams have forced City to dictate the action. That is when St. Louis tends to struggle. So I think if you throw in Klaus, the injury, the lack of depth, which we knew could be an issue with this being an expansion team coming in, and the fact that good teams say, okay, St. Louis, uh, go for it. We're going to back up. We're going to play we're, we're going to play defense. We're going to get you out of position. We'll strike. We'll have our. We'll, we'll wait for our opportunities offensively. But otherwise, we're just going to we're going to sit back, play defense. We're going to crowd the net. Good luck. That is when I think City tends to struggle. Either way, they better put it back on the rails here soon. Yes. Get his ass back out there. We got to win tomorrow. What the hell's wrong with Klaus? Anyways, do we know? All right. I- Good talk. He's got a back issue. He's got a, he's got a, that team. He's got a weak back. That's not a weak back. He's got a back injury. Does he? I don't know, Jamie. Why do you say it then? Because I, I say stuff sometimes. Right. He's carrying the team. Is that where you're going? That's, what, That's what he said. Yeah. 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 Thanks for listening. Hey, I stopped doing, listening. He's doing a whole bunch of stuff. I don't back blame there, you at Jamie. all, actually. There's other people that have said that to me too, Andrew. Yep, at least one.
It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Steven Matz was fine. He was fine. Not really good. He well, he's fine. good, actually, compared to what he'd been doing before. Meh. Yeah. Ish. They won. Should he? Should his spot in the rotation still be up for grabs? This next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Probably the best my stuff was all year. I was happy with all my pitches. Um, you know, they had a really good approach against me. I think that any other ballpark, that's a fly out to left. So I think everything was was good today. It was a really good step in the right. It was a step in the right direction. <laughs> I give Stephen Matt. Is that Stephen Matt? <laughs> it wasn't him burping. I give Stephen Matt a lot of credit for hanging in that interview despite the uh, two massive uh, burps that <laughs> went on behind him. <laughs> wow. Somebody firing up some sodas after yeah, the game. Yeah, can you play that again, Marsh? Listen to this. If you miss this, just listen to the background. I thought this is probably the best my stuff was all year. I was happy with all my pitches. Um, you know, they had a really good approach against me. I think that any other ballpark, that's a fly out to left. So I think everything was, was good today. It was a really good step in the right, it was a step in the right direction. He paused, too. <laughs> he paused. He probably gave a shoulder yeah, check. Like, like, are you kidding what me? What is going on back there? Steven Matz surrendered three runs in five and a third innings on Saturday in a no decision against the Red Sox. He he was fine, I thought. He was fine. His velocity was up a little bit, which was good, but he didn't get a single swing and miss on any well, of the 22. Michaelis, so let's not go down that path. Yeah, but Michaelis made it into what inning, Jamie? Sixth. Grow up. I With your Steven Matz love. Go ahead. Why don't you tell me how good Steven Matz is then? I'm not about to tell you how good he is because he really hasn't been all that great. But his last... That's right. He's 0-4, the 5-6-2 ERA, Jamie. His last two starts, though, have been promising, especially two starts ago. It was a promising start for Steven Matz. Um, Last start wasn't terrible. It was fine. You can't say the same about some of the other guys. I think if you're looking at a rotation spot to maybe get taken away, it could be Flaherty. Uh, I agree. I think both so, of them should well, be on the hot seat. That's fine. I don't disagree with you, but if you're picking one or the other right now, at least Steven Matz has put together two okay starts. One good one and one okay one. Jack Flirty hasn't done that. He's been a disaster. So if we're taking away roster spots or spots in the rotation, let's at least isolate the one guy who's had the, the biggest problems. And it's Flaherty. And not only... Has he been a problem as far as a pitcher? But he's been part of this ongoing soap opera with Wilson Contreras. Whether he's his best friend now or he was the guy that was whining about, I don't know who did what. All I know is that everybody involved from an outside perspective, dealing with insiders, and even Wayno talked about him and Flaherty, who went and talked to Ollie. He's been a part of it. So I look, I isolate the player that to me, needs to prove something right now. And Flaherty has to prove something more to me right now than Steven Matz. Jamie, I agree. Both of the guys should be out of the rotation at this point. You're trying to win. You're trying to win games. Okay, Anthony, go ahead. Steven Matz has been good enough, period. Five and a third is not going to cut it. I know he had one decent start. The rest have been crap. To your point about Flaherty, he's mostly been crap. 
And even when he's been good, he's walked 487 people. That's not good. Doesn't, but doesn't allow a hit. This rotation's, this rotation's got to be got to be better here. You're starting to see a little bit of a turnaround. But the starting staff is still not good enough. And if you're John Mozeliak, you got to be looking at all options, internal and external, to try to improve this thing as quickly as possible so that you can turn around what to date has been a miserable season outside of the last seven games. Or six. Six out of the last seven. Yeah, and there's no disputing that. But your question leading into this Mm -hmm. was, should Steven Matz lose his spot in the rotation? If we're isolating just Steven Matz alone, it should be up for grabs. But if we're diving deeper into the actual rotation, I think Flaherty's the bigger question mark right now. I I guess I somewhat agree, but isn't this the biggest problem? Mm-hmm. The fact that we're even talking, we're, we're basically battling over who's been worse or who's been less than fine. Jack Flaherty has been, over the last three starts now, the worst the worst starting pitcher in this staff. Agreed. No One doubt. the worst in the league. But you you improved. And by the way, nice, pretty pretty good start from Adam Wainwright. I know things went sideways again on him, but that, and I rarely do this. I mean, I'm, I've been doing, I've been fortunate enough to do radio now for like 10 years. I rarely do this with any official umpire, oh, referee, but come on. You, you rung up Wilson Contreras on a high fastball that was not a strike earlier in the game. And then you don't give the one to Wayno that could have got him out of the inning. And then things went sideways because he had a bloop single over uh, Gorman at second base. Adam Wainwright pitched better than the final stat line would indicate. But regardless, Wayno has been an upgrade over Jake Woodford. Excellent. So now, if you're looking at Flaherty pitching tonight or Stephen Matt, I think every every start now moving forward is a... If you don't show show signs of improvement, we have to look at at replacing you. There's no margin for error. This is what happens when you start 10 and whatever on the year. There's no margin for error. And patience has to go out the window. To me it should it it starts now or it started a week ago. But you get to June 1st, you can't be patient anymore, especially if you're still still sitting in last place in the NL Central. So I think every star moving forward here is a what what have you done for me lately situation. Are we all in agreement? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Marsh, would you like to toss your two cents in here on who's been who's been the worst pitcher since that that was the route Jamie wanted to go? Who's been the worst pitcher? Yeah. I mean, I think you guys kind of already covered it. I think it's Jack Flaherty. Who um, are you replacing the starting with? Who are you looking to upgrade? I mean, they're not going to replace Jack Flaherty. It's just, we can debate it all day. They won't do it. Um, That's a shame. No, they 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 won't do that. Um, I no. don't know. So I, you're I with you're with us. Flaherty, I, it's Flaherty and Matts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I probably get not. I'm not going to say I get rid of all of them, but they just have to be better. Oh, wow, this just got Adam Wainwright. I said I'm not going to say that. I said I'm not going to say that. He's been a legend Miles for you, Michaelis. I mean, Miles Michaelis has been great. Was recently. He was great yesterday. And now, wow. Huh. You know, he used to have I a, said a ten I something ERA. Going to say that. Now it's down to four nine one. Marsh with Miles with Miles McCullis. I mean, come on. I'm a big fan of Miles. Jamie, do do. I don't feel like, like you it? are. 
I don't feel like he's the big thing. What are you talking about? Miles Michaelis, whenever it's his time to pitch, I get the mustache going. Like That's true. That's true. Come on. How does the Maple Leafs loss impact the Blues? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the lineup game here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN as the Cardinals get ready to take on Freddie Peralta and the Milwaukee Brewers. Tonight, 645, Bush Stadium. Cardinals look to keep this winning streak alive. Let's Three go, games now. Yeah, six out of the last seven, too, Anthony. I mean, yeah. you can't just, you know, discard that. I'm not going to discard anything. Oh, just yeah, like I'm not going to discard, you know, what happened beforehand. All right, lineup. Wow. Freddie Peralta, right-hander, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think this is probably going to be pretty easy. I think this uh, this has got to be uh, a Newt. There it is, right? Absolutely. Let's go. Newt, there it is. There we go, baby. Newt. Newt. Good start, Jamie. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, well, Anthony, I like gold. Do you like gold? I like gold. I love gold. Oh. Says love, not like Goldie. All right, in the two hole. Well, uh, uh, yep, that's where he likes it. Gorman typically faces the right hander, as oh, we yeah. know, and he's kind of been hitting okay lately. Anthony. He's been decent. He could be better, but uh, he's been decent. <laughs> he's coming off hit a good 40 series bombs this year. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and show us Nolan Gorman? Stormin' Gorman. He's taking the league by storm. Jamie, if I may. Oh, please do. Why don't you go ahead and show us. Nolan Arenado. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. Uh, all right. Here, catching tonight. <laughs> Our guy, Big Willie Contreras. Wilson! 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 Okay. Sixth spot has been a little Whoa. tricky. Um, but I think if we skip over the six for now and just kind of talk this one out, seven, eight, nine, I think seven is likely the young after he hit that tater last night. Who? The king. Sorry. That's better. Yep. The king is probably hitting seventh. Edmund is likely hitting ninth, but six, eight could be a little tricky. I think Donovan is probably in the lineup and then... Hmm. Probably Burleson because it's a right-hander. That'd be my guess. But whether Burleson's six or so eight, so is Donovan your right fielder and Burley's your left fielder, or vice versa? Doesn't matter. Yes, because Carlson's hurt. Yeah, so, so Newton's center. Newton center. So I think six here, probably Brendan Donovan. I agree. All right, go ahead. Show me. Show us. Us. Or team. Brendan Donovan. Dun, dun, dun. All right. right. Now, Anthony. Why don't you go ahead and show us the king? Yes. (laughs) The king has returned. (laughs) Every time it gets me. Paul DeYoung. All right. In the uh, eighth spot, where are we at here in this lineup? This is where I think it's Burleson. But who's nine then? Edmund. Oh, yeah, yeah. D- Wait, oh, no, 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 no. They're not going to play Edmund against a freaking right-handed pitcher. 
They're not. I think they are. Cause, cause, all right, so look. Contreras, Contreras is back catching, right? Yeah. Which means Gorman goes back to DH. DeYoung at short. Donovan needs to play the outfield because Carlson's hurt. Yeah, you're hurt. right, you're right, you're right. Okay, so it'll be Burleson in the eight spot. Big Burley Burleson. You're so rugged and manly. He sure is, Marge. <laughs> Who's she talking to? Burley. Hell, I have no idea. I, <laughs> Homer was at work. Apparently. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. All, All right. right. Anthony, uh, why don't you uh, yeah, wrap show, this up for us? Show us Tommy Edmund, please. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. There we go, okay. baby. Nice. Good job, Jamie. Boy, we you thought too. good work. We thought through that pretty well. Not Go too ahead, bad. run it, Marsh. All right, leading off center fielder Lars Nudbar, batting second, first baseman Paul Goldschmidt, batting third, the DH Nolan Gorman, your cleanup hitter, third baseman Nolan Arenado, batting fifth, the catcher Wilson <laughs> Contreras. <laughs> He's back. Batting he is back. <laughs> he is back. Batting sixth in right field, Brendan Donovan. Batting seven, the shortstop, Paul DeYoung. Batting eighth in left field, Alec Burleson. And batting ninth, second baseman, Tommy Edmond. Go foul! Go foul! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! Did Jamie, did Jamie get another one over the weekend? Absolutely. Bam, yeah, baby. Nice job. Mm-hmm. Did you have Arenado when he hit his? Yep, it was uh, Nolan Arenado. Nice job, Jamie. Against Paxton. Jamie's been hot. Thank you. Are you up to three now or four? Is it up to four? I think it's three. Uh, three. Yeah. Okay. Leading the charge at three. Well, Jamie, why don't you lead us tonight? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I think it's going to happen early. And I have, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but I will say that I have picked this guy before. I'm going Nolan Gorman, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's your horse. I picked him all year long. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't failed me. Uh, all right. Marsh, go for it. Yeah, it's a toss-up between Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt for me. 19 at-bats apiece. I think he's better than that, personally. Two home runs for Paul. Three home runs for Arenado. Paul's got six RBIs. Arenado has seven. Let's go with Nolan Arenado. Ah. Ah, He's going to take him. I I almost said, you know, why don't I just go ahead and... But... All right. You've left One, you with some pretty good players, Anthony. Yeah, Goldie has two Ding Dong Johnsons off of Peralta. Wilson Contreras has one. The Young's got one. Watch God give me the king, okay? Give me the king after wow. that moonshot last night. That puppy still hasn't landed. It was a heck of a home run. I'll have Paul the Young, please. All right. Okay, there you go. There you have it. That's our uh, fast lane home run derby. Let's go, baby. Do we have a gauntlet guy lined up, Marsh? Are we good to go? Yes. Okay, then let's uh, let's play that gauntlet next in the Fast Lane at 101 ESPN. Why are you guys laughing at me? We're right back to the 
Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Time for the gauntlet in the fast lane where it's 401. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got Rick in. What's up, Rick? Hey, not too much, guys. How's it going? Doing great, man. First time in the gauntlet? You betcha. Excellent. Would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself today? Uh, Let's go with Rivers. Okay, Jamie Rivers is up. What? Again? Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Why is everybody coming after me? What did I do? They want a piece. All I do is is try to hold this team accountable. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, Rick. Good luck, my go man. Go to the cone of silence. Good luck, Rick. All right. Rick, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin that wheel. Spin that wheel with anything but hockey. <laughs> okay. I, normally I ask, but now I don't even have to ask. Is there a category that you're hoping for? How about that? Besides no hockey. Uh, football. Okay. Well, good news. It's not good news, bad news. It's not hockey. It's also not football. You have random today, Rick. Oh, cool. All right. Not not bothered by the random. Marsh is getting us the launch codes right now. Just a reminder. Four questions for Rick today. Same que- same four questions go to Jamie. Each question is worth two points unless Rick or Jamie need the options and then those questions are only worth one point. Rick, you ready? I'm ready. Alright, question number one. What is a dried plum called? What is a dried plum called? Uh, I gotta do the options. Is it a plantain? A date or a prune? A prune. Final answer. All right. Question number two. In what Olympic sport does one or two athletes ride a flat sled laying feet first on their back? That better be the luge. Final answer. Final answer. Question three, Rick. How many players are on the field for each team in a game of lacrosse? How many players are on the field for each team in a game of lacrosse? I better take the options. 10, 12, or 13? I've heard this one before. Uh, 13. Final answer? Final. Question number four. Michael Jordan played for two NBA teams, the Bulls and which other team? Wizards. Final. All right. Let's bring back Jamie Rivers. How you feeling, Rick? Confident if Jamie had a stroke in those two minutes. <laughs> well, good, good thing he didn't. I mean, that was well, tough, Rick. Anyway, you know, not he, to hurt him or anything. Oh, my Rick, God, that was fast. Rick, even for this show, that was a bit much. That was fast. Sorry. I mean, he did die in the ice once. What did he say about me, Rick? Hey, Jamie. How are you, buddy? <laughs> really, Rick? <laughs> oh, I tried. Huh. All right. 
Jamie. What? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's party, Anthony. Marsh, tell him. Pack a lunch. I hope so. Question number one, Jamie. Yeah. Your category, by the way, is completely random. Oh, I like that. Question one. What is a dried plum called? A dried plum? That's a prune, Anthony. Final answer. Question number two. In what Olympic sport does one or two athletes ride a flat sled, laying feet first on their back? That's a luge. Final answer. Question number three, Jamie. How many players are on the field for each team in a game of lacrosse? Oh, that's... Oh, boy. Options. 10, 12, or 13? 10. Final answer. Final question. Michael Jordan played for two NBA teams. The Bulls and which other team? The Washington Wizards. Final answer. Okay. Let's go over these. Let's party. Michael Jordan. wanted it. You got it. Sorry. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Played for two teams. The Bulls. Well, two NBA teams, I should specify, because he did play for the... uh, Barrington Barons. He played for the Chicago White Sox, too, Anthony. Ish. Michael Jordan played for two NBA teams, the Bulls and which other team? Rick, you went with the Washington Wizards. Jamie, you went with the Washington Wizards. Correct answer is? It is the Washington Wizards. But Jamie and Rick, neither needed the option, so we have a 2-2 tie. Uh, Wow, that's good. In what Olympic sport does one or two athletes ride a flat sled laying feet first on their back? Rick, you said the luge. Jamie, you said the luge. Correct answer is the luge. But neither of you guys need the options. 4-4 tie between, between Rick and Jamie. What is a dried plum called? Rick, you went prune. Jamie, you went prune. Correct answer is? It is a prune. But. Rick needed the options oh. on that one. So Jamie with a one point lead. It comes down to this. How many players are on the field for each team in a game of lacrosse? Rick, Jamie, you both took the options. Rick, you went 13. Jamie, you went 10. If it's 13, we've got a walk-off. If it's 10 or the other option, 12, Jamie knocks off Rick in Rick's debut of the gauntlet. Rick. You have chosen poorly. You lose! (laughs) Correct answer is... 10. 10. Jamie got Rick today, 7 to 5. Jamie came in here... Uh, kind of just uh, fine, feeling okay, and then after he heard that Rick may have said something. Hey, he said something negative about me, apparently, and that just that just set me that, off, Anthony. I'm that fired, my bad. That fired up Jamie. Rick, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Sorry, man. Not bad for an old drone. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Take All care, right. Rick. See you, Rick. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Thank thanks, you. Buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, Rick Rick was being Rick was fine. Oh, Rick is a really that, nice guy. He's a Rick really nice you guy. You guys probably just did that to sewer Rick. I know how this works. Yeah, you know the show. But remember, like 
in the Last Dance, right? All the greats, they use something. Oh yeah. To, to as a slight. Right. I knew Rick never said anything, but I didn't care. I just made it up in my head. Just like when George Carl didn't shake Michael Jordan's hand in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't ever happen, but it did to Michael. Yeah. And that's what got me going here today. Well said, Jamie. Like, it's almost like if I was a catcher and they placed me as a DH and then put me back to catcher, well, I'd perform at my best because I take it as a slight. Hey, you know what? If you're a backup catcher, sometimes you got to go to DH and just be grateful for it. You know, if you're just a, a last guy on the roster and you, you go from catcher to DH, then. Sometimes you just got to put up with it, Jamie. Yeah, not in my world, Anthony. No, okay. Uh, by the way, by the way. What was that? Uh, Never mind. Jamie, this is what Rick said. We asked, we always say, hey, how you feeling? You know, how you feeling after after taking the, the gauntlet? And Rick said, well, unless Jamie had a the stroke in the last two minutes, not great, or something like that. Oh. So that's what he said. Well, I didn't, thank goodness. That's what I said. Yeah. I said, fortunately, he didn't. And then you walked in and... I said, Rick, that was low even for the show, and I didn't mean that part. I mean, I don't, you can't really, you can't go that much lower than this show typically. That's true. Yeah, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN 410. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals will take on the Brewers tonight. We've got Beat the Street coming up in a little bit. We've got our Sports Six Pack coming up at the bottom of the hour. So if you've got a question for us, 314-399-9646. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. Again, if you've got a question for the Sports Six Pack, great. How do you feel about Wilson Contreras going back to catcher? Or there's really this whole situation. Some of you might just be over it, and I get that aspect of it. But everything changed again on Saturday. So we're going to talk about it. And why don't we jump back into it? The report from Bob Nightingale about what really went down to start this whole thing and lead Wilson Contreras to DH. Well, how did that all start? We'll tell you what Bob Nightingale reported earlier today in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Did anybody notice that as soon as Wainwright rejoined the team, everything kind of straightened out? He is our ace, and he is also the key member of our of that team. They're going to really miss him next year. Janet's spot on. She's spot on. As soon as Wayno showed up, boom, Jamie. Starting pitching started to get better. Changed. Starting yep. pitcher did better. Completely agree with Janet on that. Wayno. Wayno, Wayno, Wayno is the obvious ace and uh, a complete godsend and somebody that is a living legend within this organization. You're not wrong about any of that, Anthony. Thank you. Wilson Contreras, here's the report from Bob Nightingale. Jamie, as you affectionately call him. Bobby Boogie. Bobby Boogie, USA Today Sports. this guy dance at weddings. Oh, man. It's impressive. I know everybody does the robot, but not like Bobby Boogie. He really does have a unique technique. He puts too. a different spin on it, no he doubt. Does. The reason for the St. Louis Cardinals' decision to strip Wilson Contreras from his game. <laughs> I just pictured him. <laughs> I was fine. It's like it. I pictured him in a in a in a sweater with a tie and a dress shirt underneath, with wearing tennis shoes. Yeah, totally. I don't know why my Bob Nightingale looks that way. Anyways, 
So Bob Nightingale uh, of USA Today, he had he had the report that said that the reason for the Cardinals' decision to strip Wilson Contreras from his catching duties just five weeks into his five-year, $87.5 million free agent contract was because the starting pitchers told management they simply no longer wanted to pitch to him, or at least not to him this season, after getting off to a dreadful start, producing an ugly 5.40 ERA. I've mentioned this a couple of times, Jamie, and I think it, I think it bears repeating. The starting pitchers, it doesn't necessarily mean all five st- starting pitchers, excuse me, went to the management and said, hey, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, work with Wilson Contreras. It could have been two guys. Could have been three. Could have been four. We don't know. And we don't know which ones. We have to, you have to imagine though, Jamie, that one of them was Jack Flaherty because oh, he was public. more than imagine that. In his last start. His body language. Or second to last start. He... He had said to the media, you know, we, we, we don't know what we're, what, what we're throwing half the time. He was clearly blaming Wilson Contreras. And then he pitched to Andrew Kisner and won good again. So Flaherty goes tonight, and this is a big star for Jack Flaherty, in my opinion. I don't know if it's going to mean anything to the Cardinals brass because I, I apparently they're still trying to – find that Jack Flaherty, that like lightning in the bottle from a couple of years ago. He's gone. He is. He you're exactly. You're absolutely right. He's gone. This but, is this is Jack Flaherty now. But they're they're gonna give him the runway apparently. But this is a big start tonight well, against they, they have the to. Brewers. They have to give him the runway. Anthony, he's their only potential swing and miss guy in the rotation. He's their only guy. So they have to they have to sit here because they don't have a replacement for Jack Flaherty. Mm-hmm. They have to sit here and hope that it clicks. They have to hope that one out of every three games it clicks. You're absolutely right. Like they, they have no choice. Yeah. They, they're fully committed to hopefully Jack Flaherty can pitch the way he used to. You're absolutely right. This offseason, you didn't sign anybody. Okay. Last offseason, you didn't sign anybody. Okay. The season before, you've been you've been doing this with Jack Flaherty now the last couple of years, and with the way he's performed and his health issues, Jack Flaherty should have been absolutely your fifth pitcher in the rotation. Absolutely, so that you had a you had a a a, a fallback plan in case he didn't pitch well, mm-hmm. because he has been the least consistent. Stephen Matt, say what you want, I get it. He was injured all last year, and he, prior to that, he wasn't pitching well. But he's got you signed up a four-year contract, and Jack Flaherty is your only swing and miss guy. If you didn't have a backup plan for Jack Flaherty, like, what now? I just, a lot of questions. So we asked for your mic drops. How do you feel about the Wilson Contreras situation? Here is Roshan. I believe Wilson going back to catcher is the right move, and I don't think the results really matter at this point, right? We saw what happened when they removed him, the pitching results were the same or, or they got worse. So regardless to whether the team starts to win or lose when Wilson goes back, like we, we're too intelligent as baseball fans for somebody to tell me that it's Wilson's fault or we've seen what the pitching was, right? So that that's just that. And I think the organization has covered because of that, right? I think they have handled it poorly, but they're not putting Wilson in, in a bad spot by putting him back in there because regardless, nobody can blame him now, right? They did the experiment. It's not his fault. Let's let him get back to, to playing catcher. And as far as like Jack Flaherty and the pitching goes, I hope that all gets better. 
but but Jack man is, is so negative I feel like all the time and, and and I'm starting to wonder if he's even a good cardinal at, at this point uh love the, love the mic drop thanks Roshan bang on a lot of that stuff something that Roshan was talking about there I want to build upon let me say this and I know it wasn't a, a long time and that's part of the the whole mystery here too like what what happened in a week but let me say this on on the starting pitchers, at least the ones that went to the front office or management or whoever and said, hey, we don't want to throw to Willis Contreras anymore. You had your chance. You had your chance. Because maybe Willis Contreras, from a from a preparation standpoint, is lacking. Let's say that. He's, he's, he's lacking. Let's go down that, that path for a second. Okay. You had your chance then to prove that. With Andrew Kisner back there, you had your chance – to pitch deeper into games, to post better numbers, and you didn't. Now, it's only been a week, but one one time through the rotation for everybody, and nobody got wholesale better with Andrew Kisner behind the dish. So if you're the front office and you're listening to that, whoever came in and said, hey, we don't want to throw to Contreras anymore, okay, you were heard. Your team heard you. And they made a change. And you did nothing about it. So now, don't talk to me. You paid $87.5 million for a free agent catcher. And you told him to go DH. He could have told you to buzz off, by the way. Instead, he was a pro about it. Clearly, he made it, he made it known he, wasn't, he, he didn't love it, but he was also an employee. You tell me where to go. And it's not like Wilson Contreras went to DH and hit a buck twenty-eight and sulked. He mashed, and he shut his mouth. He didn't say much until you appointed him the catcher again. So if I'm, if, let's just say I'm the front office, and the pitchers came to me, or I'm Ollie, and the pitchers came, I don't want to, I don't want to throw to Contreras anymore. Okay, I'm going to post the ERA with Kisner and the ERA for the starting staff with Willis Contreras, and say, what's your point? Go pitch better. Experiment over. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'll just go back to the beginning of this whole thing, which was free agency. As an organization, you made the conscious decision, and it wasn't a matter-of-fact decision. This is $87.5 million, which is a massive amount of money for the Cardinals front office to spend via free agency. You went down, and you had your date, with Wilson Contreras, and everybody talks about how, how how great that went and everything. There's nothing that Wilson Contreras could have said during that dinner date, that interview, that day together, that could have swayed it so much that you were willing to disregard any scouting report or information that you have accrued over the last five years of six years that he's been a catcher with the Cubs. It's nothing. If so, then honestly, he should probably get out of baseball and get into sales and make more than $87.5 million. <laughs> I'm being snarky on that one. But I go back to the front office. You created this mess by either, one, disregarding the information that was provided to you or not getting the information that you needed. Either way, it's your fault. And now you have a guy that doesn't quite know his role within the organization. Even though you say he's the catcher, you're two or three losses in a row and angry pitchers away from trying Kisner again. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing. 
you're not you're you're right because you're not falling back on anything. No, you're not. Fall, you, you made this decision, and then a week later, you say, "Well, uh, Contreras is back." And then when when asked about it, it's like, "Yeah, why why is everybody making a big deal out of this?" Because you moved an eighty-seven and a half million dollar free agent who you signed as a catcher to DH. Everybody's like, yeah, why is this such a big deal? That's why. You needed a catcher, you signed a catcher, and then you needed a catcher 15 weeks into the season. That's why it's a big deal. It's ridiculous. So we get a text here from the 636. In big old letters, caps, caps, not just a catcher. They signed Contreras to be a catcher and DH. Please understand that. He was supposed to DH on days that he wasn't catching. Correct. You didn't sign him to split the duties. Team. Hold on. Hold on. Within that text. Yeah. You Okay. Please understand. First of all, thank you for the text. Thank you for the text. That's number one. We appreciate the conversation. You said catcher and be the DH. Please understand. Exactly. Catch and DH. You had him as only a DH for over a week. That, that was by design. So you came into the year to have him catch NDH. And then it was, hey, we're just going to have him be the DH. And then a week later, you're like, ah, he's going to go back to catching. You know damn well, Texter, that this, this was weird from the get-go. Yeah. Again, I circle back to the front office. Well, he's back in the lineup tonight as a catcher. Newt, Goldie, Gorman. Arnado, Contreras, Donovan, DeYoung, Burleson, and Edmund. I hope, I hope he's great back there. I hope he mashes at the plate. I hope he guns somebody down at second base who's trying to steal. And then he punches one of these pitchers in the face. That would be funny. Cut. Time Can I say out. that out loud? Time out. Um, he walks out. I think it's going to be a conference. Put the glove up to the face so you can't read the lips. He just yeah. drops him right there. <laughs> That's not nice. Why did we go that route? We didn't say which pitcher. Yeah. You know which pitcher, though. Are we seeing the Petro effect taking place in another city? Yeah, big time. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. thing on Contreras, I just got this tweet from Sea Field of Dreams. I do think you should mention that Flaherty apologized for those post-game comments two weeks ago. Now says he's excited to throw to Contreras. We did. You may not have tuned in earlier, and I, again, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you on this. People pop in and out during the show. We did talk about the Flaherty comments about how he's excited to throw to Contreras. So uh, we did, and I'll mention this again. Yeah, Flaherty, Flaherty apologized for those posts post-game comments two weeks ago and uh yeah he does say that he's excited to throw to Contreras tonight so there you have it jamie you good yeah i'm great okay as jamie would say well said anthony thank you all right alex petrangelo vegas golden knights moving on after a five deuce win last night over the edmonton oilers oilers done vegas advances to take on either the dallas stars or Bowie's cracking. That sounds kind of funny. Bowie's crack in. Hmm. Yo, what's cracking? Why do you Bowie? pause like that? Bowie's cracking. Are we seeing the Petro effect now 
in another city where Alex Petrangelo comes in, stabilizes the 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 blue line, and you're you're seeing this like push from Vegas. I mean, they were a good team beforehand. We should we should I mean, also you imagine that. if you had a guy like Petro. <laughs> well, you know, those guys this? are you know they're unique. They're unicorns. Yeah, Blues got to get one of those guys. Hmm. St. Louis Blues views on Twitter had this had this tweet. Since Alex Petrangelo's departure, the Blues zero division titles, six playoff wins, one series win, no movement clause, zero no movement clauses. Petro and Vegas, two division titles, eighteen playoff wins, four series wins and counting, three no movement clauses given out. So a little bit of a sideswipe there by Estelle Blues views, but uh, well, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. We talk about this with Colton Pareko. If you trade, if you trade Colton Pareko, fine. But now you're looking for a new Colton Pareko. If you trade or allow, in this case, Alex Petrangelo to walk, and it's been a couple years now, maybe we should just move on. But I still think you're seeing the effect, Jamie. Oh, you're definitely <laughs> you're seeing it and feeling it. If you're a Blues fan, yeah, all of it, because Petro was. I mean, he was your number one defenseman. He was a Norris Trophy candidate. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He was a captain of that Stanley Cup championship team. So it is what it is. To your point, Anthony, sometimes you have to move on. But I think Army, what he's trying to do right now is move on. But at the same time, trying to find the next Alex Petrangelo at the same time. And uh, those guys don't come along all the time. Yeah. So when when I look at Petro and what he's done with Vegas is... I mean, he has changed that team. Him and Mark Stone. Let's, I don't, listen, Mark Stone, we call him the scumbag forever. Uh, it was a dirty hit on Tyler Bozak. I will never forgive him for that because that's just the way I am. I carry that stuff to the grave, Anthony. Well done. But, however, if I'm looking at it strictly as a hockey person, Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo have taken that team to the next level. They're both uh, very similar in certain ways and then also very different in the way they lead. They have been a great combination. But that team has been pushed. And Alex Petrangelo, what he's done is he's gone in there and realized what that team needed and delivered. Even to the point of the suspension, the slash on Leon Dreisaitl. I'm not saying the team needed him to do that. I'm not saying that he should have done that. I'm not condoning it. Ish. Um, (laughs) But what he realized is in that moment, Something had to be done. Something. Didn't know what. But he knew this team needs something. And he went over and chopped him. Probably regrets it a little bit, but does he? Like, seriously, does he? They're advancing onto the conference final now. Edmonton's gone. I don't think he regrets it. I don't think he does either. I don't know that. But I imagine that he was happy moving on to the conference final. So when you look at this, the Petro effect taking place. Yes, we're isolating just one individual and we're, we're we're tying everything to this one individual, which is not always the case. It's not how it works. But when you have pillars, so let's drag the Cardinals into it. When you have pillars, like let's say a Goldie and Arnado, you try to hold on to those guys. Try to hold on until there's no gas left in the tank at all. That's why you held on to Yachty and Wayno. For all those years. That's why they became huge pieces of your franchise. I compare Alex Petrangelo a lot to Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. They're very similar in a lot of ways. 
and they're also very they're friends as well. But you look at what certain leaders and individuals can do to a franchise, even on the back nine, to where they're not what they used to be. And that's always the concern, especially in a cap sport like hockey. You're concerned about the back half of the deal. And I understand why Army was concerned about that. Absolutely. But when I look at it, when I take a step back and I look at the individual and how he trains, uh, the nutrition, the demands of himself that he puts out there, Alex Petrangelo was never not going to be a guy that you couldn't use. He was never not going to be a guy that couldn't play a regular shift and a penalty kill for you. He was never not going to be a guy that you couldn't put out there in a tough matchup in the playoffs, even in year eight of his contract. Yeah. Was he going to be a power play guy, a top two defenseman? Well, probably not. Most guys But don't, he's going to be valuable. But he's going to be valuable. And so that's where, that's where Army and I will have a difference of opinion on, on this. But at the same time, I can respect the way Army was thinking because he's always been that way. What What's the back half of the contract look like? The David Backus thing. The, you know, when he's moved on from certain players, there has been an aha moment a year or two later. Like, you know what? Army was right. I don't know if you can say that on this one, but that's okay. It happens. The Sandy Alcantara deal, the, the things that happen to managers and presidents of operations, you don't always hit a home run with these. Alex Petrangelo, uh, to me, has elevated this Vegas Golden Knights blue line to where Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez don't have to be number one defensemen. They can just do their job out mm -hmm. there, and Alex Petrangelo has taken over the role as number one guy. Right. He is the lead horse when you look at that team. Wouldn't you trade a few extra years of maybe okay hockey on the back end for another chance to try and win a Stanley Cup? I know I would. Marsh, I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to say yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they've gone to the conference final a few times since he's been in Vegas. So I'm just saying, you know, mm -hmm. be I, nice to have a guy like that. I would have. Yeah. And the reason I would have was, and this is where Army and I differ, which is fine. This is why he's got the big job, and I talk about him having the big job. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it, it, where we differ is that I do have some emotion attached to some of the decisions I make. Mm -hmm. It definitely comes into it. And when I look back at this individual, he is the first captain to ever lift the cup. And he's a great leader, great in the community, a great role model. Like, even if the back three years of his deal, he ends up just being a regular shift guy that's an ambassador for your club because he's played here for 20 freaking years. Like, there's no downside to that. Alex Petrangelo should be a guy that we talked about having a statue out front of Enterprise Center. There should have been a statue of him holding the cup. There sh that should have happened. His number retired. All of that stuff. But you would have had to tie some emotion to that deal a little bit. And Army, to his credit, absolutely never ties emotion to any decision that he makes. And Army's been a Stanley Cup champion president of hockey operations for doing it that way. So, I, you know what? You tell me. I don't know which way is the best. I'm just saying, if we're on the back nine, I'd take six birdies and finish the round off with three bogeys because I know, you know, for the most part, I'm playing bogey golf for my entire career of golf, right? The Blues, they haven't been a Stanley Cup perennial team in their entire existence except for a few years, and they won that one year. Like, I feel like you'd want to keep that guy 
yeah. in house. Yeah. The the only thing I disagree with Marsh is that they're, we're talking about hockey. You know, we're that's a really the, good point. The Blues play we're not, we're not talking about golf. No, well, no, no, no. The Blues are playing golf right now. Oh, Marsh. I, I'm being realistic. I mean, maybe not right now. Like you know, the weather. Marsh. I mean, they could be. You know, it is Monday. Six one eight here. So is Edmonton. Not the six one eight. The six one R. The six one eight brings up uh, a good point. And uh, we've talked about this before, but they said like Steen at the end of his contract. So, yes. So like Alexander Steen was making, I think it was cash five. I forget what his cap hit was exactly, but the last, not his second to last year, he ended up playing on the fourth line, and we know how that ended up. It was great. It was historic for St. Louis Blues. Then the, the following year, he held down a third and fourth line role. Then he got injured and whatnot. But, you know... You'd be willing to live with Petro being able to do all that stuff. But maybe the term of the contract and the cap hit would have something to do with it, too. Because just because Petro only maybe makes $2 million in his last couple of years, the cap hit is what Army's focused on. Because that's that's going to be the average dollar amount throughout the whole contract. Real quick, is there a player on this team right now that can eventually get to that status that Petro is at right now? No. Not good. There isn't. Like, like, who is it going to be? Krug and Letty? That time's expired. Justin Falk? He should have been there by now. Are you talking about any player or just a. Just any player that has that big of an impact on the roster. I would hope it's Robert Thomas. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo would have to be the ones. Well, you've actually anointed them to be those Mm -hmm. guys. Yeah. With the eight year deal at $8 million a year, you're banking on them being difference makers. And this goes beyond just on ice. It goes to the leadership in that locker room, too. Right. We'll see. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Dylan Carlson, hurt again. How much does his injury history take away from his potential? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dylan Carlson is hurt again. As we know, over the weekends, he got banged up. Don't know how long he's he's going to be out for. But when it comes to Carlson, guys, I just I, I want to believe that the, that the Cardinals have their full-time center fielder for the foreseeable future. Young kid. We've seen the flashes. I think since, he, since Tyler O'Neill exited the lineup and you've had more, a more stagnant lineup, Guys that know I'm going to be in the lineup every day, or I'm going to be in center field, I'm going to be in right field. I think I think this offense has turned around, but he's removed from Sunday's game to, with an apparent ankle injury. Suffered the injury while while running to first base on a single in the second inning, and while he remained in the game for the the bottom half of the frame, he was ultimately removed before the start of the third. Now maybe it's just precautionary, but he's not in the lineup again tonight. So now you have to have Donovan back out. Even though you got Wilson Contreras going going back to catcher, you still have to have Donovan and Burleson. And Donovan's been a, a, a fine outfield. He's been great, actually. But Burleson, you don't love having him out in the outfield. Juan Yepes, don't love having him out in the outfield. I wish that Dylan Carlson could solidify that center field role for you cash in on the the potential that he had 
coming up through the minors. And you can say to yourself, all right, this is a core piece. But Marsh, his injuries prevent you from from saying that. This guy has been, unfortunately, very banged up in in just a short amount of time that he's been in the majors. Yeah, it stinks. And he was really getting some traction there. And I thought for a little bit like we had something good going in the, in the outfield, his, his defense. And I think him just being consistently in the lineup, like you said, gave him more confidence to not only start hitting more, you know, on the right side of the plate, but way better on the left side of the plate, which was sort of a a concern for everyone heading into the season. I'm going to just throw out a question here. I, I personally don't love Alec Burleson in left field, and unfortunately that is the uh, result of this injury. And, ty- right, and Tyler, and Tyler O'Neill being out. I would – and people could agree with this, which is completely fine. You might disagree with this. Um I would leave Gorman at second. I would DH Alec Burleson, and I'd throw Donovan and Newt Bar, or not Newt Bar, uh, Donovan and um, Tommy Edmond out in the outfield. Really? I I think Edmond can play better outfield than Burleson. I I do too. I don't like it. I don't love like I don't love them being in the corner outfields. I but know I also don't love Alec Burleson out in the outfield either. Yeah. It's a shame. Either I, I don't. I, I understand your line of thinking yeah. on that, Marsh. And, and it's very. I don't hate the, it. Yeah, it's very like. Mm, I was just thinking about this. I don't hate it because Burleson. He is. He is a DH. Yeah, you've got oh, some, absolutely. You really have. I mean, you have several DHs. Burleson's a DH. Juan Yepes is a DH. You can make the argument. And Nolan Gorman has played well at second base. This he isn't has, a knock. Yeah. It's it's fine. If he if he was your everyday second baseman, I, I think you could certainly get get away with that, especially with the way they swing in the bat. But he's he's really a DH. So you've got you've got all these DHs in your lineup. So when you start to have injuries to non-DH players, Tyler O'Neill and in this case Dylan Carlson, then everything gets reshuffled. But as we go back to Dylan Carlson, what's an indicator of future injuries? Past injuries. So last year he was dealing with what a wrist injury. Now it's an ankle injury. Earlier this year he's also dealing with something in spring training. He was battling through dead arm. I just hate this track record here. I know he's only 24, but I'm more I'm more willing to say he's only 24 as he's working through maybe some struggles at the big league level. When you get to he's he's injury prone, that he's only 24 goes out the window because you can get in, injured at any age. Right. And if you're getting injured early in your career, and I'm talking about nicks and bruises like like he, like Dylan Carlson is suffering through here. That has a tendency to follow a player. So I, I just kind of hate it, especially after Dylan Carlson's been – he has been building toward being an everyday center fielder. Yeah, when I saw him get injured yesterday, I was like, you got to be kidding me because I think he is a, like a an essential piece to this lineup defensively to sort of stabilize the outfield – and seeing him get injured, I was like, oh, no. Like, I hope this doesn't kind of ruin what the Cardinals have going on because I really love that consistency with their lineup, whether it was a right-handed pitcher they had, hey, this is the lineup that we're going to. If it was a left-handed pitcher, hey, this is the lineup we're going to. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to switch that up, you know, that's that's fine. That's fine as long as it's consistent for – and we saw that last year too. We started seeing that a lot last year. and But he was a, he was a core piece to, to all of that, and – I hope 
things don't get messed up now because he's out of the lineup. And the text line, I obviously I mentioned the whole send Tommy Edmond to the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring up Juan Yepes, another name that doesn't make me feel real comfortable in the outfield. I so, like yeah, I know. like Yepes over Burleson, but we're not we're really not saying much from a defensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not been good. Yeah, the three one four says that's a real Stalter's choice <laughs> to put Tommy in the outfield, <laughs> based on your option again of Evan Burleson in the outfield. Well, well played. Speaking of the tax line, three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. We'll do our sports six back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. 5 o'clock, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalzer. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions. Question nine. From the 314, do you think Dylan Carlson is the Cardinals version of Scott Perunovich? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good, that's a good comp. Wow. I see what you did there. That's a good comp. It is. Neither of them can stay healthy. Both are highly touted prospects. Can't miss blue chip prospects. Wow. I don't think Scott Perunovich is quite. Well, I guess he is. Yeah. It's been three years it's now. Hobie Baker, Ward. Yeah, but it's been three years. He's turned pro, right? Yeah. And Carlson's been a pro for how many years? Three, four? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty darn close. Uh, Health-wise, yeah. Actually, I think it's a great I comp. think it's a bang-on comparison. Yeah. You banged that. Yeah. You banged that real good. Thank you. 314. But just make sure, hopefully, we just get healthy, and then we can get a true evaluation of both of these young men. Speaking of Dylan Carlson, he remains out of the lineup, as we were talking about, after being pulled yesterday. He is considered day-to-day. And there haven't been much talks about putting him on the injured list, but he could miss a couple of games. Tyler O'Neill, since we're talking about the outfield, will begin a minor league rehab assignment at AAA Memphis on Thursday. He's been on the shelf since May 5th due to a lower back strain. He did participate in a pregame workout with the team on the field today, according to John Denton of MLB.com. Tyler O'Neill was also on the field today. Thought you'd like to know. Yes, he was. Question number two. <laughs> is a Necker winner? <laughs> From the 636. <laughs> How would Jack Flaherty's personality and antics hold up in an NHL locker room? How would other players view him? You know what? Here's where it gets unfair to Jack because I don't know what he's like on a day to day basis. I don't know what it's like to be his teammate. The only version I get of Jack Flaherty is someone who, you know, is uh, sometimes outspoken and sometimes uh, emotional. And, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and handpick situations from Jack Flaherty that we don't like. But we don't see that maybe on an everyday basis he's a hell of a teammate and a great guy and that 
those guys really like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've had teammates before where you get the best version of them within the hotel, the plane, the locker room, on the ice or whatever. But then there are things that, you know, happen away from the rink that you're like, eh, you know, whatever. But hey, he's a hell of a teammate. Right. So um, I-, I can't really comment. I can't comment on how that would go over in, in a hockey locker room. And also, I also don't know how things are handled in a baseball clubhouse. Okay, we always sit here and talk about, well, that wouldn't fly in the locker room. Well, maybe it doesn't fly in the clubhouse either. Mm-hmm. Not just Jack Flair, just any of it, you know? So I, I don't know. I Unfortunately, I, I can't give a true comment to this. I think that's fair. If there if there were, let's just say this, and the, let's, let's try to remove Jack Flaherty out of it, okay? So don't think Jack Flaherty here. But let's just talk about a player that might be a little um oh man how do i put this anyway i go here it's going to sound like i'm trying to pick on flarity but let's just say jamie there's a teammate that might be perceived or otherwise blaming his struggles on a diff a, 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 another person yeah another group of players how would that that wouldn't fly yeah that absolutely wouldn't fly. It'd be addressed. In fact, it wouldn't even have to be addressed by the guy that he's blaming. The leadership, leadership group. group. Yep. Would, that'd be like that'd be an automatic closed door meeting. We're done here. We get it out now. Mm. And one, we don't roll like that here. You got a problem with something that's going on? Why don't you go help each other out so that those mistakes don't keep happening? We don't sewer people here. Good call. We're all in this together, and when we suck, we all suck. So, come on. It would get straightened out immediately. Question number three. From the 618, since it looks like Matt Ryan is calling it a career, what are your thoughts on his legacy? Unfortunately, he'll always he'll always have that 28 to 3. Mm. Matt Ryan, though. Hey, by the way, that was on yesterday. Was it? I'm yeah, sure it was. I almost called you. It was on the NFL Network. And uh, I've seen it, it Jamie. I've seen it. And it was the fourth quarter, Anthony. And I watched. I did. I watched the whole fourth quarter and I cheered. Anyways, go ahead. That one game, I think in the case of Matt Ryan, I, I, I think if he wins a Super Bowl, he's he is a he is a Hall of Famer. I think if he wins that Super Bowl, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think he'll probably be left out now. But he would have had an MVP, a Super Bowl, and all of the significant records for the Falcons in in passing history. Yeah, but does that put him in the Hall of Fame? The MVP, the Super Bowl ring. I mean, he'd he'd have the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Yeah, but he wouldn't have the same number of MVPs. He wouldn't, and some of the records would not be. I mean, I think you could make a case for Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt Matt Ryan has had an outstanding career. I don't see him as a Hall of Famer, even if he won the Super Bowl, but that's just me. That's just me. I just don't think his body of work as a team has been as good as the other two guys you just mentioned. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those guys, I think their record as quarterbacks exceed Matt Ryan. Not just Super Bowl, not just Super Bowls or MVPs. I know they had a good run there for a little bit. Yeah, but I just think I think ultimately the last handful of years, and like really, really kind of soiled him. Mm-hmm. 
Let me make my best 30-second Matt Ryan pitch, okay? I'll keep it to 30 seconds. Papa Ryan here. He takes over for a franchise in disarray. Michael Vick is in prison. He gets drafted. Don't forget, everybody in, in Atlanta absolutely love loves Vic. So he gets he, he goes to prison. Matt Ryan comes in. He's drafted. Unfair circumstances. He steps in, immediately gets the team to the playoffs. This was a franchise that had never won back-to-back, never had back-to-back winning seasons until he got there. He took the team to three NFC Championship games, won one Super Bowl, set every rec passing record for the Falcons, played from 2008 until 2021 with the Falcons, one year with the Colts. MVP, should have won a Super Bowl, but nonetheless, they never had a never had a top, top 10 defense. In fact, never had a top 20 defense at any point in his career. We can talk about Roddy White and Julio Jones and Tony Gonzalez there at the end of his career. Never had a top 20 defense. And managed to win, or again, got to get the Falcons to three NFC Championship games and one Super Bowl. All right, I still guess no. in your world, I <laughs> still guess, no. I guess in your world, we're just handing out gold jackets. Well, you know, Aaron Rodgers was handed, uh, you know, a great team, great team right away, and we seem to love Aaron Rodgers. Pressure playing in that city, though. <laughs> All right, fair enough. He's probably not a Hall of Famer. I think if he won the Super Bowl, he may have been, though. His legacy will always be 28-3. to Unfairly, yeah. it will always be 28-3, to despite all he accomplished. So to answer your question more directly, Marsh, 28-3 to is all anybody will remember, despite the guy being an absolute outstanding player. I was going to say, I don't remember any of that stuff that you just listed off. I don't remember a thing. He went to three, and he took that. He took the Falcons yeah. to three NFC Championship games. All I remember was uh, Julio Jones making a sweet catch on the sideline. Who threw the pass after yeah, evading know, a pass sure. rush? Matt Ryan threw it. Shouldn't have taken that sack, though, Anthony. They should have kicked the field goal. <laughs> That's what I'll always remember him for, taking that sack. Fair enough. And then blowing, being a part of the team that blew the biggest ever lead in NFL history to my Minnesota Vikings. I was about to say, yeah, that was Man, he's that been a was part not of a few Epic collapses. There's got to be something to that, right? Yeah, well, there's a common denominator, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Question number four. From the 919, where's that from? 919 is uh, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, okay. probably not. It's probably uh, Kennebunkport, Maine. Mm. Ah, uh, texter from Maine, how long of a leash does Contreras have catching if the team starts losing again? By the way, Matt Ryan, sorry, two NFC Championship games. Two. Oh, no, he's definitely not making the Hall of Fame One, now. One, two, three, four, five, six playoff appearances. Uh, I'm sorry, Willis Contreras, what? How long of a leash does Wilson Contreras have if he starts losing again? If the team yeah. starts losing. He's the catcher slash DH. That's what he is for the rest of the year. What are, your, what are your options? Do you really want to block the DH spot? You want to continue to block the DH spot? No, the answer no. is no. He's he's got a lo- he's got a long he's got a long uh, runway here. He you signed you paid him eighty seven and a half million to be your catcher until you have a better bat a better option. 
including a roster that isn't as like quote unquote flexible as you have now. Yeah. Until you have a better better situation, I think he's got he's your catcher and he's your DH two times a week. There you go. Yeah, I'm he, with you. He catches when he's not the catcher. He's, you your, catch, give him, he's your DH two times a week. You got to give him some time here to play the position or at least one of the positions that you signed him to be. There you go. If you don't give him time, like what does it look like then? Doesn't look good. No. Go ahead, Marsh. By the way, BTW. Uh, did you ever figure out where the 919 is from? Yes. Alberta, Canada. Oh. No, it's actually Raleigh North. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Carolina. God, best song ever. Look at Anthony's feeling it right now, too. Marsh, what else you got for us? Marsh, what else do you Question have? Question number five. No, Marsh. <laughs> what? No, you don't get it. No. Why don't I get mine? Why don't I get my North Carolina? So, I'm selfish that way. Where's mine? I'm Why sorry. I. Where? <laughs> coming from a guy when we play a lineup game, show me. When I always say, well, show us. Me. No, you don't. Yes. Anthony, Every single time I say, I show us. I written down. In the last month alone, there's eight times you said, Marsh. I. Marsh, where huh? is it? Where is it? I don't know what you're talking about, Anthony. <sighs> Thank you, Andrew. One Carolina song. I don't care how many. From the 618. Anthony. Anthony, you come over here and you click the button. Fine, I will. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Marshy, don't do you that. You know what? I clicked a button for you earlier. <laughs> when? Oh, yeah. When, when you're trying to say a certain Cardinal's name <laughs> and it went sideways. It went. I had to click a button over here. Boy, oh, boy. A red one. <laughs> yep. So where is my North Carolina song? Come on, man. Here, I'll find it while you answer this question. Okay. From the 618, given the Carlson injury, do you see a chance that Walker will be called back up from AAA, especially since Tuesday is the final day for him to be in contention for Rookie of the Year? I don't know if that last part's completely true. It's if the Cardinals get compensation for it, I believe. Yes, there's a certain cutoff for him Mm -hmm. to come back up. He's got to win Rookie of the Year, yeah. Uh, it depends on how serious it depends on how serious Dylan Carlson's injury is. I mean, if he's got to be placed on the IL, then yes, I think Jordan Walker can come back up. But if we're just if we're just talking about is an he, ankle is injury, is he the guy you call back up? I've heard a lot of like varying opinions. When he comes back up, I think it's for good. I don't think I don't think that Jordan Walker is a guy that you're going to be that you're going to have on the Memphis shuttle. I think he's somebody that when you're ready to have him come back up, you say, okay, he's worked on some stuff. He's going to come back up. Now we're going to leave him the hole alone. Then that happens. So I guess no. I'll say no. I don't think he's. I don't think he gets a call up soon. Walker, no. Not right now. There'd be a couple other guys ahead of him. Question number six. Guys, given the NHL and how things have played out, does it give you more hope that the Blues are closer to contention uh, than what we saw this past year? Well, you certainly, uh, you get in and anything can happen type thing with this year's NHL playoffs. The Seattle Kraken have gotten um, to the second round. The Florida Panthers are now in the Stanley Cup final. But by the way, let's go back to the root of that. 
The Pittsburgh Penguins, all they had to do was beat the Chicago Blackhawks to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Therefore, Florida got in as a wild card. And now Florida's in the Eastern Conference Final. So for the Blues, as far as their rebuild, their retool, and them getting back into the conversation, if Army does a real good job, and players turn it around, players that you counted upon last year that you didn't deliver, if those guys can play up to where they should be playing, then yes, this team could find themselves into a wild card spot. And then who the hell knows? You got Jordan Bennington. Who knows what happens then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're doing this. Oh, yeah, that's what you're... Go ahead, Andrew. No, I was just saying, mm-hmm, you made a great point. Go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. Fire. Marsh. This is the better version. Come on. Jamie. Jamie. This is this is better than Shaggy. No way. Let me tell you, Anthony. You get the hips going on the dance floor to this one? This does seem like more of a hip thrusting type song. Put this one on about midnight. All right. Not for you. Put your put put those hips away, will you? How will Flaherty handle himself tonight? Well, it depends on how well he pitches or doesn't pitch. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. How will Jack Flaherty handle himself tonight? This has been, unfortunately, a topic of conversation because of the way that he has pitched the last couple of starts and because of the way that he, let's be honest, he acted in the post-game press conference. So is that what you're alluding to on yes. this? Is like how he handles himself like post-game? I think no, it could be both. I mean, yeah, I think it's more important. I don't care how he handles himself. I, I do, but the, the more important thing is how he handles himself on the mound. Okay. Because I thought that's, that's what you were alluding to. That's the most important. It was that, you know, how will he handle himself? Because of that, that's been a hot topic. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how this plays out, but you got a pitcher in Jack Flaherty that his fastball hovers from 88 miles an hour to 94. Well, he's varying speeds. You don't know pitching. Yeah. No, I do a little bit, actually. And uh, what I don't know, I've asked of people who have pitched in the major leagues. Well, you don't know how Jack pitches, besides poorly. Well, well, Anthony, you're onto something there. But there lies the problem for Jack Flaherty. Is, Is it that he varies speeds on purpose? Or is it more that he can't go 94 as often anymore because he doesn't have it? He's got to really reach down and grab it. Yeah. When? Um, Usually during the game. In his hands. And he's got to throw that ball as hard as he can. Hmm. Continue. Can he do it? I don't know. The stuff that's supposed to be his wipeout stuff, he does manage to get some strikeouts, but he's also managing to put guys on base and – 
you can read between the lines during his last media scrum and, and ignore all the, you know, him going back and forth with Derek Gould and all that. Ignore that. He goes on in that whole that whole post-game presser to talk about pitching around guys. Right. Yeah, he, he talks it. about pitching around lefties because he's had he struggled with lefties, so sometimes you pitch around them. So you automatically give him first base. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that strategy. He leads the league in double plays, but there's a reason for that. Yeah, some yeah, guys are getting on. Guys are on base. Yep. I don't know. Here – Let's forget it. Let's forget about the post game comments. Okay. Let's just talk about Jack Flaherty, the pitcher. Let's just do that. In eight starts, he's two and four with a six one eight ERA. Thirty nine and a third innings, he's got thirty nine strikeouts with a WHIP of one seven three. His average fastball velocity is down. He's not. He's not getting opponents to chase. He's walking way too many batters overall. Opponents are barreling him at a very high rate. They're hitting him hard. The hard hit percentage on Jack Flaherty is below average. So the opponents are hitting him hard with a decent exit velocity. That is a huge indicator for home runs. All of the expected stats, whether you believe in them or not, are all trending in a in the wrong direction. Ex, ex, uh, the excuse me, expected batting average, expected slug, expected ERA, all the expect expected stats are gross for Jack Flaherty. The only thing that he's doing with some sort of at a at a decent rate is when he when he does get strikeouts, he's he's making guys whiff. That's it. He's not getting them to chase, but sometimes he'll vary it off enough yeah. to get that strikeout. But everything else, Jamie, is piss poor. It is. A 6-1-8 ERA, it speaks for itself. So we could talk about the post-game comments, the Wilson Contreras stuff. The bottom line is, in a contract year for Jack Flaherty, I'm not necessarily talking about the Cardinals. I'm talking about in his final year. To put together a good, a good, a good uh, outing, coming off multiple years of injuries, thus far, Jack Flaherty is a six one eight ERA in eight eight starts. Whoa. That's the bottom line. Forget the other stuff, Jamie. Forget so then, the forget the back and forth to Derek Gould. Forget nah, the Wilson Contreras stuff. Forget it. Yeah. The numbers speak for itself. He hasn't been good. So then, riddle me this: what what happens? If things go sideways again tonight. If he's terrible again tonight, then you bring up Matthew Libertor. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? Whose feelings are you hurting? I don't know. This guy's done at the end of the but year. So, okay, so here's my issue then with with Contreras going back behind the plate, specifically tonight. Is all the numbers, the expected stats that you just talked about, mm-hmm. basically it's like a landmine or a field of landmines, and you just don't know at one point you're going to step on one, and that could be tonight to where we get another seven-run first inning or second inning. Sure. And all of the thoughts, not all of it, a lot of thoughts will go towards, well, Contreras must be calling a bad game, or maybe fans are smarter than that. I think they are, but it will be sitting there Mm -hmm. fresh on people's brains is that, 
oh, you know, I don't know here if it's Flaherty right. or, or Contreras. I think it's a, I think it's a good question for us. If you're Ollie. If I'm Ollie, you, I would have got to I would have just rode this out for another week. You're winning games right now. What's the one thing you try not to do when you're winning? M- mess with anything. That's right. So I don't understand. And now Jack Flaherty, who has been this ticking time bomb with his expected stats against him, like it just could be the perfect storm in the wrong direction. It could. So what do you do if he if it if he has another disastrous start? Oof. And he might. If he has another disastrous start, you say, Are you hurt? And then if he says no, you step on his foot and say, Now you are. And we're going to put you on the IL, and we're going to bring up Matthew Libertor, and then we're going to go that route. Okay? I don't think you can physically assault a player, Anthony. I mean, you can. I just don't think it's the right Sorry. Way. Sorry. Let me, let me rephrase this. Okay, Jamie? Let me rephrase this. You're right. You turn off the cameras in the clubhouse, and then you tell everybody to put their phones down, and then you go up to Flaherty, and you say, hey, are you hurt? And he says, no. Then you step on his foot, and then you say, now you are. You changed nothing. I changed everything. You just turned the cameras off. That's all you did. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We got our biggest question of the day next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fastlane's biggest question of the day. All right, time for the biggest question of the day here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Marsh, what do we got? All right, biggest question of the day. We kind of hinted at it earlier, but we never really ended up answering the question. But how does the Maple Leafs' loss affect the Blues? Now, Ryan O'Reilly had a press conference into the season, little uh, media scrum, and this is what Ryan O'Reilly had to say about his time in Toronto. You know, I'm still... You know, reflecting on the loss and, you know, just coming forward here, I have a lot to think about going, you know, what I plan to do. But, um, you know, this this organization is, is incredible. The, obviously, you guys see, you see, you know, the players that they have and, and such, but the, the people in the organization, you know, every facet that's looked after, the you know, strength team, the nutrition, um, you know, everyone, the, the staff is just incredible and the best of what they do and such an amazing place that, you um, I'm so thankful I was, you know, able to brought into it. Obviously, you know, sorry I couldn't get the result that we wanted, but um, you know, just to be part of this organization was an amazing thing. And yeah, got to you know have some decisions to make going. So that was courtesy of TSN. Did you, what did you take out of it? He's such a well. For one, he's such a class act. For him to praise, none of this is surprising for Ryan O'Reilly, but for him to praise Toronto, the coaching staff the training staff, everything, and then to turn around and also say, hey, I'm sorry this is not the result that we wanted. And take 
responsibility in that. Mm-hmm. You compare that to, and I, and I know I bagged on him earlier, but like Joel Embiid had no awareness, no self-awareness when he was talking to the media. He was like, well, well okay, yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Dude, you scored 15 points in, a, in an elimination game. <laughs> and you're supposed to be the stud, MVP, man. Yeah. But Ryan O'Reilly, com- complete role, you know, complete opposite, polar opposites there. But, Jamie, I mean, one, let's just start with the obvious first. The Maple Leafs losing is huge. It's huge for the for the Blues because then their Toronto's pick is what now? It's instead of 28, isn't it? Don't they get a higher pick now because Toronto oh. got bounced? Uh, yeah, I think they, it's uh, 25. 25 now. Yeah, yeah, and going... Dallas is still in the in the race here too. So if Dallas loses, if Dallas will tonight to Bowie. Well, if they lose, wins. It improves the pick. So circling back to the Maple Leafs, there's a, there's a lot to unpack with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you might be sitting there listening as a Blues fan saying, "What the hell do I care about the Maple Leafs? I don't blame you." Well, you ought to. But, um. Ryan O'Reilly praising the Toronto staff the way he uh, the way he did. He's not lying. It it it's like the Yankees. When you play for the New York Yankees, life is just different. Ask anybody who's played for the Yankees, and they 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 spare no cost on anything. No, the, the highest level of everything in every department. Toronto Maple Leafs are the same. So for Ryan O'Reilly to go there and get the New York Yankee treatment. That's a, that goes a long way for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, who gives of himself every day to the sport of hockey to get better for the team. It's the team, it's the team. So when the team surrounds the players with the right people, it means a lot. That being said, it's a team that can't get even close to the finish line. I I don't know what's going on there. Uh, that that roster of players should have way more success than what they're having. But at the end of the day, I think it's because the, the core group doesn't have the jam that it takes. You know, like John Tavares, you know, he's never really done anything in his career team-wise. Mm-hmm. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Morgan Riley. Like, you go down the list of players that just haven't ever really been able to do it, and you have a bunch of them. Now, the Maple Leafs, to their credit, they tried to counter that with Ryan O'Reilly. Noel Achari, bring in some guys that have, you know, been gritty and got there and in Ryan O'Reilly's case, won it. Sure. But it wasn't enough. You need a young core guy that can do that, that can bring that. You need a Matthew Kachuk. You need somebody, he's never won it yet, but he's dragging his team into the battle every night. Right. None of those guys are like that. And so that's where ultimately the Maple Leafs fall short. And now today, by the way, if you if you watched any of their pressers, and if you haven't, or even if you're not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, go to YouTube, go to Leafs TV, and watch some of the end-of-the-year pressers. No emotion. They're like robots. Well, you know, you know, it is what it is. Like, what? Show me a guy that's ticked off. Show me a guy that's unacceptable. It is. It's my fault, too. I didn't, you know, like... And yeah. the GM, the GM today talking about how, you know, he's focused on being, he'll be in Toronto next year or he'll be on a break. He's not going to another team. Literally almost acting like he's already been fired. I, I don't, I don't get it. It's it's lack of, it's, it's lack of self-awareness it, to me. What it is, is an organization that is under tremendous scrutiny all the time by the media and the hockey fans in Canada. They are. But my God, 
like have some awareness of the situation, be a GM, be a leader, and be like, look, my goal right now, starting today, is to put another team on the ice next year that can be a Stanley Cup contender. If you look back at the Tampa Bay Lightning, they had several pitfalls before they got to their ultimate goal. You look at the Colorado Avalanche, it took Nathan McKinnon almost crying and cussing on the air Talk about how he's sick of this losing and sick of not being a part of the playoffs or not getting past the first round to get them to the promised land. I believe that this group can get there, but sometimes you got to go through being wounded several times before you get the ultimate success. That's what a good GM says. And if you get fired the next day, so what? So be it. So be it. You leave your mark, though. Yeah. You don't ever look like you... Speak your truth. But you don't ever look like you doubted what you did or that you were sorry for what you did. Yeah. I don't know. That's a franchise that, for me, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens because Austin Matthews, uh, William Nylander, and company, they're going to be up for contracts soon. And there's a lot of talk about what's next for these guys. When you look at Austin Matthews, he's got next season, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. You look at William Nylander, next season, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So those are two huge pieces of your team that could be gone. And and in Austin Matthews and Nylander's case, this offseason, if I'm the Maple Leafs, I'm either getting them to sign an extension or I'm trading them. Why would you go into the last year and and lose them for nothing? Yeah. No way. This is the perfect time for the Leafs to rebuild on the fly. Mm. The haul that they could get for a Matthews and a Nylander. Look out. Especially like a team like the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, good call. They're trying to build around Connor Bedard right now. Mm-hmm. Give him some pieces. Yeah, no. I'd rather than not do that. I understand. <laughs> I'm just looking at it. Jamie, what are you doing? Sorry. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Hey, We've got Blackhawks. Beat the Streak coming up next. Plus, uh, anything you missed, criticisms, compliments, all coming up in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Streaking! I want to hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Time for Beat the Streak in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Marsh, why don't you go ahead and give us those standings? Yeah, Anthony, you're in first place. Yes! boy, Antoine! Thank you! Seven consecutive hits in a row. Yeah! You tied your longest streak of the season. In second place, we have Jake. He is at four now. Jamie, you're at two. And I am at zero. Hmm. Yeah. Who'd you have, Justin Turner? I did, yeah. And uh, I said he'd get a hit for being nice to his friend Kenley Jansen. Uh, turned out he didn't get a hit that night, and his friend Kenley Jansen ended up blowing two saves over the weekend. So, uh, is he can't still at 400? I think he is, Anthony. I yeah. think he is. And honestly, I ain't too worried about it because nah. the Cardinals came out with a victory. So. Darn right. All right, so our guy Jake is back. You'll hear from him in a second. Uh, I'm leading off this show, though. I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. You got Jack Flaherty on the mound, and he's got that 6-1-8 ERA, and Christian Yelich is absolutely on fire right now. On fire, Jamie. He went 6-for-11 
against the Kansas City Royals. The Royals. While blasting three home runs, drove in seven ribbies over the three games to take Milwaukee from a half-game lead over Pittsburgh to one and a half games ahead. Mm. And he's facing a guy in Jack Flaherty who can't help but give up ding-dong Johnsons. Christian Yelich is my beat the streak hit for tonight. Oof. All right, Jake. What do you got, kid? It's really well, bad. if Christian Yelich is a fire, you might as well consider me gasoline because you just made took my pick and lit me on fire. It's all so, part of my strategy, Jake. Yeah, I can tell. I gotta, I gotta hope that Yelich goes over four so I can pick first tomorrow. This is killing me, Salter. Who are you going with, Jake? So, let's take... In seven at-bats, Willie Adamas has a 429 average against two home runs. I'm going to take Willie Adamas tonight. All right. Willie Adamas is off the board, and Andrew Marsh is a-crying. Jamie! Yeah, I'm going with Newt. There it is. Absolutely. First, Actually, first at-bat of the game. He's going to get me my streak. Uh, three for six. Last night alone, and he, all he's been doing, Anthony, is getting on base. Newt, there it is for the win. Hey, Jamie. What? It can't be the. I'm just gonna say something. It can't be the first hit of the game, or the first at bat of the game. For now, the Cardinals. When, now when Christian Yelich is gonna get his first hit oh, of the actual game. Wait, wait, Yelich bats what? Fourth? Marsh. No, he's first. He's leading. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, go ahead, Marsh. All right, I had a conversation earlier today with uh, our pal, Action Jackson. Uh, Piddles. The best. Yes. Um, my money guy. My money guy. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about Rowdy Telez. Quite the portfolio on him. Uh, he told me he's a, he's a fan of Rowdy Telez and his story. So the Rowdy Piper. I'm going to go with Rowdy. He's batting uh, 333 against Jack Flaherty this se- or, uh, this in his career. Pardon me. And three at-bats. So... Rowdy. <laughs> three at bats. Three at bats. <laughs> so he's got one hit. <laughs> Seven plate appearances, but three three at bats. Rowdy yeah, Telez sure. has the uh, the ultimate softball player body. Oh, absolutely. Who's worse though? Vogelbach, our guy Vogie. Oh, no, or... they're on the same team. There there is a uh... <laughs> On the same softball team. Yeah. One's playing third, one's playing first. No doubt. No. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, well, one's no, a yeah. pitcher and one's playing first. Uh-huh. There was a, a time when <laughs> when I thought they were the same like player, same guy. Telez is like way what, taller. Well, they were both in the National mm-hmm. League Central, at you know at the same time. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because they kind of like I feel like they kind of came in the league around the same, same time, time. started being relevant. But I think Rowdy Telez is a big dude, and Vogelbach's a little shorter. Well, now you got me interested here. I'm going to look this up. Yeah, let's get the uh, the wingspan, all that stuff. Yeah, so I have Christian Yelich for tonight. Jake took Willie Adamas. Marsh, you went with uh, Rowdy Telez and Jamie Scott. The Newt. Jake, maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow. Absolutely, sir. Talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thank you. That is Beat the the Streak here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, Rowdy Telez is... I thought I had this pulled up. For what? Come on, what are you doing? Anthony. I was going to look at the size of these guys. Oh, oh he's six four. Rowdy Telez is six four two seventy. Vogelbach is not six four. Vogelbach six feet. I bet you. Vogelbach is six foot 
Nice job, Jamie. Told you. 270. He's 270. Rowdy Telez is what did I just Still say? like a soda machine. Telez is 270. Oh, they're both 270. <laughs> <laughs> both like a soda machine. <laughs> All right. If you miss anything from today's Jeez. show, you can download the podcast. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Rowdy Telez, he is from Elk Grove, California, which is very close to Anthony's Bay Area of San Jose mm. in San Francisco. It's sort of in that Sacramento area. Mm. So mm. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised Anthony didn't pick him tonight. <laughs> okay. Maybe because I'm Jeez. not from the Bay Area. We never said you're from the Bay Area. You, you just always love say everything. That. But no, from Detroit. Yeah, everybody knows that. Where's Yelich? Yelich is from Thousand Oaks, California. Went to Westlake High School. So, so like tomorrow, I got close enough. Anthony could say instead of "Let's get nasty," he might accidentally say "Let's get rowdy." I won't I, be saying. I don't that. think he'll say that. No, I won't be saying. Anthony's that at all. more professional than that. Thank you, Jamie. Barely. Missed anything from today's show? Download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jamie let loose on a 10-minute tirade that was absolutely outstanding on Wilson Contreras. We also talked about whether or not Steven Matz should be replaced in the starting rotation. Jamie came up with a better idea. Again, download the podcast. (laughs) And I called out uh, Joel Embiid for being an absolute stud until the playoffs and how that's one of the uh, worst things to have if you're a team. It sucks when you don't have a superstar. It's even worse, I think, when you have that guy, but you know you can't win with him. Marsh, what do you got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, I have to bring up that epic rant from, from Jamie. We got a couple texts from the 314. Jamie Rivers for president. Yeah. Wait, what? It's probably a good idea. Right? I mean, come on. What could go wrong is what, my what statement on that. Wrong. Would Jamie even be able to be president? Marshy, that's something we can deal with at the time. Okay? As of right now, no. But uh, later on, no. No. Yeah. What they can do is have somebody run for me, and then I yeah. just run the country as an employee. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, I think it has happened. <laughs> <laughs> From the 636, the rivers are flowing yes, today. Yes, it is. Yep. Go, Jamie. What is that? <laughs> uh, the rivers are flowing today. Go, Jamie. Yeah, go, Jamie. Good stuff. <laughs> the rivers are flowing. <laughs> sure, I like the way you said that. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Instant replay coming up from 6 to 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We'll break down the Jack Flaherty performance tonight as the Cardinals open up a new series with the first place, Milwaukee Brewers. For Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. Thank you for listening. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.